Yes, yes, y'all, it's going down right now. Episode 73 of the 22 Shots of Moods and Horror podcast is coming at you live. I am your host with the most rocking from coast to coast, Mood 616. And of course, I've always got my whore thug aficionado, JP, also known as the Freddie Mercury wannabe Cupid Killer. What's going on, homie? Yeah, I rock from worldwide worldwide but it makes sense planet damn it it makes sense man because we're almost coast to coast you know yeah yeah pretty much pretty much Mm -hmm. so what is going on what's been going down man this week man i've i had kind of a rough week just with nonsensical bullshit Eh, uh listen to this i'm gonna tell a story real quick so i paid my health insurance on the the 31st of January you know so I was paying for February so I I pay my bill and then I go and look at my statement and I see that I've been charged twice and I'm like okay what in the hell so I call them and I'm like yo I've been charged twice like can I get my money back yo and they're like oh I only see one charge and I was like yeah but I have two and maybe it's because it's pending. You won't see it yet, but it's pending. And they're like, oh, well, that should drop off. And I'm like, okay, but what if it doesn't? They're like, <laughs> oh, well, then you uh, go ahead and fax us your bank statement and we'll take care of it. But just just wait to see if it posts first. And so I waited a day and it posted. So I was like, okay. They gave me a fax number to send it to. And then they gave me a number to call so that they said it'll move it along. Fa- it'll process faster if I call and let them know I faxed it to them. So I do that, I fax it, I call them, and they're like, yeah, we still don't see it, so uh, it's going to take about five days, and we'll open up a case, and then you know we'll figure out what's going on. So I was like, <laughs> okay. So I waited five days, nothing, so I waited seven yep, days. Yep, of course. I waited seven days. On the seventh day, I was, I was like, you know, F this. I called them back. I speak to Nikki, and she says, yeah, I see right here oh, that Nikki. you <laughs> – I see right here that you have uh, two charges. Let me just ask you, would you prefer us to credit that for March or would you like your money back? And I was like, well, I kind of need that money. How many days is it going to take for it to come back? And they were like seven to ten business days. And I was like, yeah, I figured that. I had a feeling that it was going to be seven to ten business days. But how come if I, you know, being a customer – don't pay and you know my bill on time and I was like you know I'll give it to you in seven to ten business days you guys would be pretty upset about that <laughs> and she's like yeah and I, and then I was like wait a minute so if I just called you and you just brought it up now that like oh yeah I see you have two charges then how to ha- why the hell have I not received a phone call back from you guys because obviously it's through there now and you can see it now and you said that you'd call in five business days or five days or whatever so what what in the hell is so basically if i hadn't called today if i hadn't took the initiative and called to figure out what's going on who knows how much longer it would have took and you know i'm I'm talking to her about this and i was like you know i find it completely ridiculous that you guys you guys messed up like you guys took too much money from me yet you guys don't do any sort of courteous gesture give me like ten dollars off my next bill or something like nothing nothing really even apologize You barely even oh just sorry that's it that that's oh, that's just sorry, your human big error. thing there sorry you know yeah, I was typical. like so mad and I was like you know I, N- Nikki 
you know, what's your name? And she's like, Nikki. And I was like, I was like, you're doing fine. Like, you, you, I'm not mad at you because you're actually pretty good. You're a good customer service representative and stuff like that. But man, this company is whack. Nikki from Josie. <laughs> I think she was from like India. <laughs> yeah, that makes a lot of but sense. I was don't like, you love how these companies always seem to do that shit to you? They don't. It's just, oh, sorry about that. And that's it. You know, no deals. You don't get, you know, nothing back. Oh, fuck. What a pain in the ass dealing with those people, man. Yeah, it was such a pain, too, because I kept having to call these different numbers and getting a hold of somebody was hard. And I knew, I fucking knew that what was going to happen was it's going to take them five days or whatever to Mm -hmm. put in the case or a ticket or whatever they want to call it. And then I knew, I fucking knew that they were going to be like, it's going to take you know, seven to 10 business days to get your money back. I knew that was going to happen. And mm-hmm. that's why I didn't want, that's why I was like bummed that I had to wait those five days. Cause if it, they would have just did it right there, they would have just credited me back. I would have had my money by the fucking time that I called back the second time. Just terrible. And that was the start of that's my what I, week. That's what I never understood about these things. Like I understand like they can take your money in an instant, but they can't give it back instantly. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You know, it has to go, you know, seven to 10 days or whatever. I mean, that's fucking ludicrous, but not to give you anything back for, you know, the inconvenience, uh-huh. not very good customer service right there. No, that's not, not at good. all. And, I, and I, mean, I kind of understand, too, because even where I work, when 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 we mess up or something, it takes like three to five business days for them to get their their refund or whatever. So I, I know that sometimes it has nothing to do with like the actual establishment. It's just the way that it's set up. Uh, with like credit card and banks and stuff like that it's just a processing but it it is kind of annoying that you know in 2016 like we still don't have like an instantaneous way to to like refund money when you know it's possible you know it is it's very surprising with the amount of technology that that we have today and i mean you can talk about technology all day and be like some of this shit really does blow my mind the shit that we can do but we can't give money back right away though that's Really, we have not developed technology to do that. <laughs> Doesn't this just surprise you a little bit? Yeah, it, it, it honestly just was so frustrating because <laughs> I was just like, you know, it, like, sorry, I hit that enter would, button twice. It, I hit that enter <laughs> button twice and, you know, just can't undo it. There's no undo button for that. It's ridiculous. Yeah, I don't know. I don't know what the deal was, but I still, you know, this being... I don't know, three, two, three days later, I still have not received my refund. And and what's funny is by the time that I probably get it, I'll probably owe that money back anyway. Just yeah, exactly you know, right. It'll be like the end of the month or something. Uh, frustrating. That's yeah. ah, super bullshit, man. There's nothing worse than phoning up one of these corporations and then they give you another number to phone. And then that person gives or that line gives you another number. You're like, hey, we need you to go talk to this person this yep. and then go talk to this person. like that has got to be the worst thing ever y- you know what? you spend so much time either on hold or dialing numbers or just basically why can't you just go to the fucking source like why isn't there just okay what's your problem you you need money back okay here's the number why isn't yeah. there a direct with our technology like really mm-hmm. four people yeah uh, and it's all automated at first so it's like yeah. if you are looking to you know uh, make a claim, press one. If you are looking to dispute a claim, press two. If you are looking to pay your bill, press press three. If you are looking for f- further options, press four. And then it's like all oh, other ho- callers hold on the line. And then it will be another list of all these different you know, numbers to press. On it. Like It's like the, at the very beginning it should say if you're looking to speak to a human, press one. Because worst, that's always what I want. <laughs> worst thing ever invented was a fucking automated switchboard. Like that shit is the worst, man. 
the fucking worst. So bad. But I hate him so much, man. You know what? I want to point out something because you mentioned about, you know, the calling around and they sending you here and there and everywhere. Oh, God, yeah. Uh, there was a video that, that was on YouTube that I watched the other day. And I really want to – I think that it's a great video. I think people should check it out. And, you know, it spreads a little bit of awareness to some shady stuff as well. And it was by a YouTuber known as Frank Einstein. Yeah, uh, you I know this it. guy? Yeah, I watched it. Yeah, the his, FYE his little, his, one. Yes, his, his, his oh. thing with FYE. My God, oh. now that that's a horrible story. Like, and you know, honestly, I thought he was going to be a little more angry in the video. He was, he was kind of telling the story like a champ. You know, yeah, you could tell he was yeah, pissed, yeah. but he was really kind of like getting every detail in there and really telling the story. And man, what a fuck around that was, though. Like the like just to drive all that way and go. There's no money on this card, and then it just uh, it gets worse from there. It's like, oh my god. Yeah, well, it even started off worse when he when he pre-ordered his Blood Rage or whatever yeah. it was. And <laughs> That's such a bad story. I, I want to just everybody needs to check out that video. It's hilarious. I have a, I had a bad experience with Fye along a similar line a while back, but I, it ended yeah. up being resolved in like a positive way for me. Mm-hmm. But uh, you know. FYE is just one of those companies that like the only way they're still swimming above water is because of their shadiness and their, their tactics, their business tactics. Um, but yeah, so definitely, definitely check out that video if you guys haven't. I mean, it, I, I found it incredibly entertaining. Yeah, that that company must have a lot of issues because I've heard a few people mention FYE in videos and how they got fucked around with pre-orders and things like that. And yeah, it's, well, it sounds like they're, they're, they're always just it kind of sounds like Amazon.ca to me. You know, they they always have these pre-orders up, but when they, you know, the day of release, they're always out of stock or temporary. They get ships in one to two months. Like, yep. do they never have stock? Like, mm-hmm. what the fuck, you guys? Like, there should be a pre-order with, you know, with the because isn't that, that, that kind of the point the of pre-order? Like you pre-order yeah. it so you guarantee yourself a copy. But the yeah. thing is, is companies only have the pre-order option because it 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 helps with their first week sales. Like first week yeah. sales matter in everything when it comes to distribution. Like that that what you do in the first week determines usually if it's you know fail or not. So they have this pre-order because those count for first week sales. Yeah. So it's really, really annoying that they they use this tactic, but they don't follow through with their promise of, of mm. you know, actually having the pre-order. Because I remember when pre-order first came about, it there was a guarantee with that pre-order. It was like you get a copy day one guaranteed. That's why yeah. you're pre-ordering. Yeah. Now, I, what is the reason? Like what do they say? What There's no – set. they just – it's just a part of it. It's just a part of the machine now and they don't answer oh. to it. They don't answer anything about it. They're, they're not saying anything. It's just an option now. I don't, well, I don't get it. I, I was talking to – you know how you can uh, contact you know, the people on Amazon. You can you know, talk to them via chat. And I, I, know I was talking to her and I was about some issue I was having with one of my orders or something like that. And I actually was talking to, to – I was actually a guy. I was talking to him about um, like pre-orders and stuff. And I said, if you look at my history, like I've canceled in like the last two or three months probably like 15 pre-orders because the day they come out, they're like temporary out of stock, ships in one to two months. And I'm like, this is ridiculous. Like I'm just not waiting on these things over and over again. I'm like – I'm like, what's up with the pre-orders? I thought this is kind of like when you reserve a table at a at a restaurant. Like it's you should be getting one, you yeah. know, kind of thing, right? You know, like it's the same type deal. And I'm I'm very re- seldomly getting my pre-orders. And he's like, oh well, you know, it's just it's not really guaranteed. And I'm like, well, what the fuck is the point of the pre? Like you, like I'm canceling more than I'm getting. 
Yeah, like, like what so is what is the point it? of the pre-order then? Exactly. Like, how am I? Like, what am I supposed to do? Just kind of pick and choose what I'm doing? Like, I still pre-order because with the notion that I am going to get these things, and every once in a while I do, but more often than not, especially with Screen Factory or Arrow, um, they're never in stock right away. Ever. I mean, generic titles or whatever. If I'm going to like pre-order like a you know Christine Sony Blu-ray, yeah, they'll probably have it. Mm-hmm. But what's with all these other companies? Like, I understand and the, the the same thing that they always say is. We never get enough stock. And I'm like, you apparently are not getting any stock because I'm talking to other people <laughs> that around Canada that pre-order like me and Dylan, like we pre-order all the time and he's in the same boat. He's not getting his either. And I've talked to other people and they're not getting, I'm like, I don't think you guys are getting any copies in. So, you know, you, you really want to work. You might want to work on actually getting some stock in, you know, keeping your customers a little bit happy here because no one can really give you a straight up answer. What's going on with these pre-orders. So it's really frustrating, man. Like I, you know, I pre-ordered, you know, even Blood Rage back in, I think it was in, what was it, June or July or whatever. I ended up canceling that, ordering from Amazon UK, and they shipped it the same day. Yeah, it's crazy, dude. I mean, honestly, so, I'm just, I, I don't I don't really like the, to pre-order that much. Like, I'll pre-order from um, Shout Factory sometimes, simply if I want the poster, that comes yep. with the the thing and they're really good about their pre-orders they don't they don't charge you until they ship it and it's usually shipped before like a week or two before release date mm-hmm. but it's you're also paying like five dollars more as well i couldn't even tell you the last time i well i mean actually no reason i got one screen factor i think uh the day before release it was like on a monday but it's very it's very seldom that i get a screen factory within you know the first week of being released mm-hmm you know, kind of thing, right? So it won't even ship for two or three days after it's been released kind of thing. I'm just like, man, I, I don't know. There's no rhyme to the reason, it seems like, what's going on with it's these It's weird, so. man. It's definitely weird. Hey, I thought we wasn't doing a knowledge segment this week. <laughs> <laughs> no doubt, right? Just say, ah. Ah, sometimes they just come up in conversation, man. So no. thanks for listening to knowledge. Yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> um, yeah, man, this, this week has been... It's been a really odd one. I'm not going to get into specifics of my week, but I know for some people out there kept asking me the obvious question why I was off social media for uh, the better part of five days, I believe. And um, I never I haven't told anybody the the real reasons why I was off and I'm probably not going to. I know JP knows. Um but yeah, I just, you know, I just want to say to people that I am fine. And if I haven't got back to you, because there was concerned people out there, and I do thank you for being concerned and asking me what is going on, because, you know, I mean, that's, that means a lot, you know? And, yeah. Uh, so many yeah. people were messaging me, asking me. And I was like, you know, I haven't, I haven't, I haven't looked into it yet. Like, I, cause I, I was just like, I didn't know if, like, it was weird because I was like, I don't want to, like, but if there's something, like, going on, like, I ain't trying to bug you or whatever. But after a few days, I was like, all right, I got to figure out something here because, <laughs> you know, it's kind of weird now. Um, yeah, I, so, I, so I did get a hold of you and, you know, everything was cool and stuff. And I just – anybody who asked me after that, I was like, yeah, he's cool. Everything's good. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So if I haven't responded to you and you're listening to this, sorry about that. But, yeah, thanks for asking. And like I said, everything is hopefully cool. I mean, you know, I'm still talking to you guys, so that's good. Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> but, uh, yeah, we'll just leave it at that. I don't really want to get into too much personal stuff for obvious reasons. But, um, yeah, I'm all cool. So. Awesome. Yeah. Alrighty. So uh, I guess we might as well jump right into news. Do we got some news, JP? Yes, we have some news. Um, I grabbed a few things from last week just because I thought they were important. We didn't do news last week. But I did keep it relatively short. I 
cut out all the stuff that I didn't think was super important. So let's get into it. So yeah. this is, you know, before we started the show, I just found this little piece and I was like, dude, it's so funny when I do not remember ever talking about something being announced. I don't remember this film ever being like a thing. And then all of a sudden I see sales art for it. It is the remake of the 2007 French extreme horror film Les Interior, which is Inside or something. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So Inside is being made like a remake. Did you know this? Did we talk about this? I can't remember at all. Yeah, I, the idea got thrown out there a while ago. I mean, remember there was kind of rumblings of remaking inside, but I hadn't no, heard anything official. <laughs> yeah, I remember just briefly, you know, hearing something about it, but uh, it was just kind of rumors, and I, I don't think we were really reporting on it too much because it was just kind of like a rumbling. Mm. But this doesn't really surprise me. I mean, with martyrs kind of coming out of the woodworks and. Uh, why not just go into inside and then let's keep moving down the chain. <laughs> I can see them doing all these films. Yeah, it's kind of weird, but um, apparently it's being done by the writers of the uh, Spanish film wreck. Uh, so, I mean, that's like kind of a good note, but it, it's kind of like after the martyrs one, honestly, dude, like I am completely uninterested because i i couldn't imagine it being any different than what the martyrs remake was which is just a dumbed down version uh mm -hmm. there's um efm is going on right now where it was last week uh which is like a sales like a sales um festival thing I, i'm not yeah. i know what it is but i don't know what it is at the same time i think it's just like a sales market for film uh, i think it's in berlin and there was some sales art that came out of there of the first um, poster. And honestly, it doesn't look that – that, and it honestly almost looks like a ghostly if you didn't know what it was. Uh, so, so yeah. who's attached to this thing? Uh, the, the lead actress will be the same girl who was the lead in P2. And uh, I think the oh, okay. woods. She was, had a role in the woods as well. Huh. Yeah. So yeah. Man. So so we can pretty much expect like a, a dumbed down version of Inside, which which ultimately makes no sense. I, I, wait, hold on. Is it being remade by the people who did the original one? Like they're directing it? Not sure. I mean, so this is kind of like a uh, a funny games type deal. Why did the yeah okay so yeah because the director of the original Funny Games directed the American remake which is basically a shot for shot but yeah so he's actually not they're not directing which I'm actually glad for don't do that to your career they they're the guys that are directing yeah. the new Leatherface oh yeah yeah okay okay um so this is uh this is happening I don't see the thing about the EFM uh, sales market is that it's sales art. Meaning that it's it's too there's films that go there that mm -hmm. aren't even like financed yet. It's it's to get financing. Exactly. Sometimes there's some backers. Other times there's you know they're looking for people to put up some extra money. Uh, you know stuff like that. Uh, you know so who knows if it'll actually get made. I mean I think it's Dimension who's producing. Which if you know anything, Dimension r released the original inside. Yeah. Which actually, you know what? I was at Walmart the other day and I seen Feast, which was one of those Dimension Extremes, on Blu-ray. And I was like, mm -hmm. where where are all the other Dimension Extreme films on Blu-ray? Like, where's Inside? 
Mm-hmm. You know? Yeah, I know that that's been a question that people have asked for years. Like, why isn't Inside on Blu-ray and you know, Extreme Dimension just doesn't really do any of their films. I mean, except for the ones that came out, like during Blu-ray time, which was yeah, uh, like Hellraiser Revelations and uh, Children of Corn Genesis. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, <laughs> which which is such a shame that those are on Blu-ray and like Inside isn't. Yeah, where's the head? At? Come on, that, Black Sheep. Black Sheep. Yeah, exactly. Welcome to the Jungle. Yeah. And wait, that was bloody dis. Wait, what was that? Was it? Welcome to. I can't remember. Welcome to the Jungle. I believe was an extreme dimension. Yeah. Teeth. I mean, there was a few good dimension. I missed that label, honestly. Yeah. Like they were picking up all these foreign like gems. Yeah, not bad films actually. Yeah, I was, you know, I'm in the midst of still reorganizing my room and and I actually had a whole section just for Extreme Dimensions. I was like, oh, that's pretty cool. I have a lot of releases that were released by, I think they're Canadian editions that don't say the Extreme Dimension, which I was kind of bummed out. Mm-hmm. So that's kind of kind of silly. But they, yeah, they don't really seem to put out a lot of stuff anymore, do they? No, they haven't put out anything since like 2009 or 2010. Yeah, it's been a while. Um, yeah. Kind of a shame. But. Yeah, it does suck because those, all those films were in Walmart too. Yeah, that's right. Uh, but you know, the, the, you know, inside being remade, though. I mean, does it, I mean this doesn't surprise? I mean, or potentially being remade. I mean, do you think maybe it's going to be based on the success of the Martyrs remake? You think if Martyrs does pretty well, they'll just no, because Martyrs isn't going to do well. But however, you know what's funny is maybe, maybe sales wise, maybe sales wise. I, I don't know. I mean. I mentioned that girl at work who I was like, this is probably the movie that was made for her or whatever. Yeah, like know. she actually told me that she bought Martyrs at Walmart and she's like, yeah, cause <laughs> I made her watch the original because she did that. And, and she was like, or it oh. might happen in reverse, but she, she, uh, she said she basically had the same exact feelings as me towards it where it was just, it seemed very pointless. Yeah. Yeah. So. I still, I mean, I have it sitting here. I, I still need to check it out, but I'm just, I'm really dreading watching it. Because I love the original one so much, and like I, I just, you know, just he, the things I've heard about it so far, I don't know, man. It's just, honestly just a waste of time. It's like you're not gonna really yeah. get anything from it. It's not even one of those like remakes where it's like you watch it and like oh, there's like a different spin on it. It was no yeah, yeah. as good as the original, but you know it had its own thing. Like they just changed the third act, but it's still like the same movie at its core, but just not nearly as like good. Mm-hmm. <laughs> anyway moving along we have more sales art out of efm and this one i found super interesting so the long talked about jeepers creepers trois. wow tra tray the jeepers creepers <laughs> tray <laughs> trois, trois is, yeah, that's a that's three for uh, french oh is it okay i yeah, thought it was yeah. like Un, deux, trois. <laughs> <laughs> okay uh so Jeepers Creepers Trois is uh, – <laughs> Jesus Christ. Uh, they, there's some sales <laughs> art, man. There's actually a poster out and apparently it's looking to begin filming early this year. So summertime maybe. Uh, Myrad Pictures will finance and handle international sales and it will be directed by the one, the only Victor Salva who of course did Clown House and the first two Jeepers Creepers films. And Jonathan Breck is confirmed to return as the Creeper, and Brandon Smith wow. as Sergeant Davis Tubbs. Wow. Uh, it will follow the first two films, and apparently, uh, some of the people who produced the original two films are going to be involved. It's going to be filming in Vancouver, 
Nice. Uh, so yeah, I mean, Jesus Christ, dude. So like, this actually might finally happen. Wow. You know, Victor Salva, Victor Salva, definitely a piece of shit, but uh, he does make some pretty good films. So I'm looking forward to this. It's been a long time. I think Victor Salva could have went down as one of the modern greats had he not molested a child. Yeah, <laughs> I know. It's it's that it's guy those, builds scares very it's well. Those things in life, man. You know, <laughs> you yeah. gotta avoid you gotta avoid molesting little boys if you want to become a big time director. Mm-hmm. You know, notable director, but <laughs> it's not really funny. But um. Yeah, it's kind of a shame, right? You know, he started off his career so so potently, you know, Clown House, uh, Jeepers Creepers 1 and 2. What was the film that he did a couple years back? Um, it was the one remember. with Rose McGowan. I own it. It was like the house on the street or – no, Fuck. what the hell was it? I know. I totally <laughs> slipped my mind Lane too. or something. Rosewood, uh, Rosewood Lane? Is that it? Something like that. I can't quite remember. I remember kind of digging it. Like it wasn't a bad film. And I think Jeremy was on the same fence as us too with that one. He even said it was okay. It's not a terrible film. It just it just seemed like it was kind of rushed at times in the film. Well, he did that other one called like House as well or like Dark House or something. Oh yeah, Dark Dark Yeah, Dark Yeah. The one with Dark in the title. That's what I'm thinking of. Okay, I was thinking of the one with Rose McGowan about the triplet film- kids. Oh, okay. No, no. Yeah, the Dark House or whatever it's called or um it was okay. It wasn't actually that bad. You know, it's it's mm-hmm. not on the same level as other films, but you know, I mean, he also had a huge hiatus there too, right? Yeah. Well, that's what I'm saying. If he wouldn't have molested that kid, he would have been working. Like mm-hmm. that really kind of ruined Probably his career quite regularly. Yeah. Like you look at Clown House that came out in like the I think like mid to early '80s. And had he had he just continued on, he we probably would have seen four or five films from him between the '80s and '90s, and you know, chances are they were going to be like decent movies just based on his style. Like he he gets horror, and maybe maybe it's because you know it's a parallel to his personal demons that he has, um, which he obviously has. So I, I do think that the guy really does understand horror. And that's why I like Jeepers Creepers so much is that it is a fucking scary movie. Mm. It's it's a horror movie, and I like that about it. Uh, and same thing with Clown House. That that movie is creepy as hell too. And it just sucks because like, you you know you don't even want to like root for this guy just simply because. And I I mentioned this on an old mini shots me and Jeremy and Dave did where I said. I'm conflicted because at the same time we we know forgive and forget lets things go stuff like yeah. that, mm. but I don't know if I want to. You know, you're supposed to do that. You're supposed to give people chances. I'm sure he's not molesting child ch- child's kids children anymore. Yeah. You know, uh, maybe he is like truly sorry for what he did, but at the same time, like I feel like you you're just so if you do that in the first place, like I don't know if you can move on because it's like. It feels like you go beyond of like your evilness nature, and I I feel like that's completely <laughs> instilled in you. Is that the wrong way to think? I always wonder. You know what I mean? It, it's I it's such a yeah, yeah. complex I, matter. You know, sometimes I mean there there is a few directors and actors and you know people out there that I necessarily don't care for. You know personally, but I do respect what they do. You know, like the films that I like, some of the films that they do, and you know, some of the performances. So I, I try to separate those type do, of I personal things a lot too, because I think if you bring the personal elements into your judgments and stuff, you're just gonna end up not judging it properly. 
Yeah, you know, just, just starts a piece down. of work. Exactly, you just become super biased. But I do, I've, I do find it kind of ironic that you know, Clown House came out in '89, and then his next film, which came out in '95, obviously was six years later because he had all these fucking problems with molesting molesting little boys i believe yeah and then his first film out of prison was called the nature of the beast that just seems like a very ironic title (laughs) you know for a child molester and then the thing about victor salva's career i can't get over is that he directed powder you ever see the movie powder i haven't yeah that's such a strange movie that he directed i can't believe that but it's very odd that's in the middle of his filmography and then he moved on to like Jeepers Creepers 1 and 2 and stuff. But yeah, Dark House was the one I was talking about in 2014. That one wasn't bad. It wasn't too, too bad of a film considering he hadn't done a film in a while, like a horror film. So, yeah. yeah. So uh, moving on here, we have uh, this actually. I don't know if this premiered at EFM as well, but the trailer for The Purge 3 kind of exploded the internet a little bit. It came out and honestly, like. I was a little blown back by the amount of excitement and also just uh, talking about the Purge Three. Like there was a lot of of I've seen in many <laughs> different groups. There was a lot of conversation going back and forth. I was surprised too, to be honest, because I kind of missed the whole thing. Because you know I, I'd left uh, you know social media for a few, for a few days, and then it it came out while I was off, and I didn't even know. And then as I came back, it was like everything the Purge three, and I was like, what the fuck? <laughs> like even Jeremy even texted me the the trailer for it, and he's like, that doesn't look bad. And I was like, what the fuck? Yeah. Ugh, so we I we heard know. about the Purge three a few, maybe like a year ago. They announced it. Yeah. And this one's called Election Year, Purge, the Purge Election Year. And honestly, I didn't watch the trailer because no, we don't watch guy. trailers here. Yeah. Uh, but I seen that a lot of people were saying that it looked pretty decent. Uh, I, I I liked the second one a little bit. Like I, I thought heard people definitely... saying that they were like, it looks amazing. Oh, really? Like, I saw comments like, amazing. Like, this is going to be the best one. And I mean, really. I hope I mean, it is. I hope it is the best one. <laughs> yeah, me too. I mean, the first one was a complete letdown. Um, the second one was a lot better. I wouldn't say it was like a great, great film, but it was better. Mm-hmm. And um, yeah, I mean, the, the thing about the purge idea is that there's so much you can do with, do with it. You can just... You can just Take this idea and just put it into a different setting and things like that. So, I mean, it's essentially going to be the same film, I, I would assume, you know, but I'm always looking forward to what they're going to do. I, I like the general premise of The Purge. So it is intriguing to me, and I think that they can make a lot of these movies. I mean, let's hopeful. Let's hope that they, you know, get their minds straight or get their heads on straight and put one on a fucking cruise ship. Cause it's like a city on waters, man. I, I would be really uh, excited if this one is good because I feel like – then, you know, I would look at The Purge as like a semi-decent trilogy instead of like a terrible film and one pretty decent film. And if there's a good one, like I might actually consider myself a fan of The Purge movies. You know, ha- like right now I'm just like they're there and I'm kind of on the outside looking in just like, OK, I'm going to see what you're doing. And then, you know, if, if this one's good, then I, I, I would probably say I was a fan of them. I think what they're going to do with The Purge is they're going to do what they do with Final Destination. They'll probably end up making four or five of those and – Maybe even six, because I think they're doing pretty well. They need to do more Final Destinations, just saying. I'm honestly really surprised that they haven't made another Final Destination film, considering the last one I thought was actually kind of cool, because they they changed... Well, we talked about this before, but they changed the rules, and it kind of set it up for, like, new ideas, Mm -hmm. right? They kind of were going in this general direction that, hey, we can change this one up, and it worked, you know, mostly, and... Let's keep going with that. I mean, with The Purge, like I said, you take this general idea and you, there's so many possibilities. You can make like 20 of these movies. 
Why not? Even a Final Destination prequel. Well, shit. Never mind. <laughs> a freak, yeah. <laughs> well, uh, even like a Final Destination like backstory with Tony Todd's character more involved. Um, because I listened to Tony Todd on a podcast recently, and he said mm-hmm. he got paid way more for his small cameos in the Final Destination movies than anything he's done before that. What? Which, yes. Wow. Crazy. <laughs> And didn't he – he even stated in – well, I don't know if it was that specific podcast, but didn't he actually state that he would – he's willing to do more of them? Oh, yeah. Because like he actually like they pay obviously the money – than anything. But he, but he legitimately said that even the last film was really good. Mm-hmm. Yeah. He even said that he liked the idea and how they changed it up and it was kind of surprising because – I mean let's face it. You know, the last Final Destination was kind of a big surprise, not only that it was a good film, but the, how they changed up the ideas because part four sucks so bad. Yeah. <laughs> you know, it was just a big surprise. So that's cool, man. I would love to see another one with Tony Todd. And, and well, you I, can't do one without Tony Todd because he told a story about when Final Destination 3 came out, when they was doing the test screening screenings, everybody kept asking, like, where's that black guy? Where's that Tony Todd guy? <laughs> where's the, the black the, guy? The, the coroner. Like, where's he at? And so then they came and had him uh, do a cameo voice-wise, and he was the voice on the uh, uh, the ride, the devil's backbone or whatever the hell the ride was called. And uh, so he did the voice for the announcer, and he <laughs> said so put him in the movie. So, so don't even try to make a Final Destination without Tony Todd, because people won't like it. <laughs> people are so specific. Where's that black guy? <laughs> don't even try to use it. <laughs> You know what I meant. Like, so, Jesus Christ, man. Tony Todd's been in like a hundred fucking movies before this. Come on. <laughs> fucking people. So yeah, uh, that that Purge 3 comes out July 1st, I believe. And then we move on to uh, Johnny Depp has been cast as the Invisible Man in the new reboot uh, that Universal is doing of their monster movies. Uh, joining A-list actor Tom Cruise, who will be in the revival of The Mummy. So they're trying to pull off a Marvel or a shared universe type thing here in with horror. Uh, well, I believe that I don't know what the status of it is because they did say it was going to be like actiony. So I don't know if it's continuing like that or what what's going on. But Johnny Depp as the Invisible Man, I think, is great casting. Uh, my favorite of the Universal Monster movies, you know, because I did that giant marathon over October. Oh, is did you? by far <laughs> the invisible man <laughs> i think that is the best one it's scary it's it's really really good i uh, like and- invisible man as a film but like my favorite character will always be frankenstein though yeah you well know, my favorite true. character probably isn't the invisible man it's probably like the the igor or whatever he was i didn't know his name switches throughout uh films but uh, the little Bay Lugosi like sidekick hunchback thing in yeah. one of the Frankenstein's, uh, but you know, the Invisible Man I just think is the the my favorite actual movie, not mm. like the best one in my opinion, not my favorite necessarily character, but Johnny Depp as the Invisible Man I think could be because Johnny Depp can break into that sort of like oddball nature that that I thought the original who was it Claude Rains. Who did the original Invisible Man? I can't remember. Mm. Uh, but yeah, I think Johnny Depp could do like a fantastic job as the Invisible Man. However, I'm just not interested in these movies until I see that they're horror movies. <laughs> yeah, you know, you know my thoughts on you know casting like really, really huge names into these type of films. Sometimes it works and sometimes it doesn't. More times it doesn't work for me. I don't know. I have this weird thing with like casting. Like casting is a big thing for me. 
Mm-hmm. And I, I some I, I sometimes think that you know they're just really going for well we can sell the shit out of this film by putting Johnny Depp into it, you know I mean I'm not saying he can't play it because that's what Johnny Depp does he is strictly a character actor, right so this I mean these type of roles completely fit who he is and he's a, probably the better choice for it, but you know sometimes I, I just want to see what the rest of the supporting cast I like to see like a lot of no name people in there to be yeah. honest the the reason why I think it might work is because i've always thought johnny depp could do an interesting freddy krueger and i really think that freddy and the invisible man are like a very similar character yeah it's too bad that that johnny depp separated himself from the uh, nightmare on elm street series you know i mean they couldn't even fucking reach him for you know interviews when they were doing the documentary which is such a shame yeah yeah, and but they, a lot of times I think that has to go through like agents and shit. I remember hearing a story where Wes, Wes does Craven Johnny Depp wanted actually have an agent. Oh well, yeah, probably. Who's somebody got to deal with that? All that stuff. Bill Murray doesn't. Bill really? Murray deals with everything himself. Yeah, but he's a very eccentric fucker, though. But I mean, yeah. I would I would assume Johnny Depp's not exactly that normal either. Yeah, <laughs> you know. Seems well, like jo- he's just I a think character. Johnny Depp really does like pick his own projects too, though. No, so he's very book. very specific. Yeah. 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 Um. I forgot what it is. Oh, I remember hearing that story with Wes Craven on New Nightmare, how he said, you know, he would have loved to have Johnny Depp in there, but didn't think that he would because he was like a huge star. And Johnny, he seen Johnny later in life and Johnny Depp said he totally would have did it. So, I guess oh, yeah, maybe that ask. Maybe that maybe happened that, with the documentary, too. They're like, oh, he's too big shot. He'll never be in this. See, I, see, I thought that they had con- tried to contact him and they either maybe they couldn't get a hold of him. Mm-hmm. Or he turned, you know, maybe he was busy too. You know, you never know. He might have had a movie in production yeah. or something. But it would have been cool, man, just to hear him talk about it. And so I would love to hear him just talk about his experiences on the first film. Yeah. Because it's really cool that he was in that film. Yeah. I mean, honestly, it, it kickstarted his career. I mean, that was his first film. Yeah. yeah. So, I mean, yeah. Got him the jobs on 21 Jump Street. Yeah. <laughs> and he came back for that. He did come back for that, didn't he? <laughs> Jesus. all right so uh moving on here we have this is kind of interesting rob zombie uh head on headed over to his instagram page to ask a question he basically said he posted a picture of the firefly crew and he basically used uh hashtags tagged uh shaman zombie sid haig uh and bill mosley and he you know asked uh if you he asked he posted the poster and tagged everybody and said, if anybody would be interested in seeing these characters return in a new film, you know, let me know. And of course, like a hundred thousand people were like, yes, 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 please, please, please. You know, <laughs> so what in the hell is that all about? Because for a long time, I've heard interviews with them. I've heard interviews with Sid Haig where they said, you know, we thought about it at first, but then as time went on. You know, you would you would have to do a prequel because of the ending of Devil's Rejects. But we got, you know, we look too old. We can't do a prequel. Like, we just can't. It, it, you're just way too old. So they, I've heard him mostly shut down this idea for a long time. But mm-hmm. I also heard Rob Zombie tease that there might be a way before. So I'm, I'm curious. Maybe he knows something that we – I'm sure he's thought about it a lot. Oh, I bet you he's thought about this a, way too much. So – it know, ends man. so perfect that it's like you don't even want to see them do a that's, trilogy. That's but exactly what I'm time, kind of getting at. At the same time, if you got something as good as Devil's Rejects out of it, 
it would be totally worth it because I mean, you could have them in like they survived all those millions of bullets and are in the hospital. Like I think if you did that, obviously there's gonna it's gonna raise some questions. But at the same time, if it quickly gets right back to where it was and it's all awesome and stuff, people quickly forget that the um, '80s sequel way that you kind of brought the characters back. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's not necessarily that believable that they would survive that, but. I would I don't know what would you prefer to see a prequel or you know just an extension of The Devil's Rejects If you were going to do something I personally I would like to did not see anything but if they were going to do it I would like to see a sequel To be honest I'm a little you know I'm always hungry for more and I really don't mind sequels hence I mean you're kind of the same way too you like your I franchises <laughs> you like your sequels in general like I mean you know, look at Friday the 13th. I, I generally don't watch the first film. I watch the sequels. Yeah. Right. Exactly. So personally, and I'm not really the biggest fan of prequels, to be honest, like a full film of a, just, you know, a prequel story. Um, sometimes they're sometimes they're cool. Sometimes they're not. But but I would personally like to see an extension of The Devil's Rejects, even though it's kind of unbelievable because I think the end of The Devil's Rejects is pretty self-explanatory. They get Swiss cheesed the fuck up. Right. Yeah. So, you know, if they do live, it is what it is. Um, if they, what, what do you what do you, what do you do with the story? Like, what do you that's, do? That's well, that's the difference between me and Rob Zombie is that I have more faith in him than I do me, and I I have more trust that he will be delicate with what he does if he does decide to do something, and I have complete faith that he can make it work because that's fucking Rob Zombie, and I love him. Maybe and, he's not even. You know, even leaning towards a direct sequel to The Devil's Rejects, he's just talking about using these characters in a totally different idea, Which unrelated. He does anyway, though. <laughs> exactly, exactly. But just using the exact same characters and just kind of going off and doing something else. Yeah. Which which would I think would be fine too. I think people would be a little confused really, by it. I think that they really look so much older, especially um, Sid Haig. Like he Sid really Hag- does a lo- look a lot older now. So no, I, I feel it, like it's been could- a long time. Dude, like the Devil's Rejects, <laughs> Devil's Rejects came out what in two thousand? Dude, I don't even know what year Three, six, uh, Three, four, five, fuck something like mid mid two thousands. Yeah, so it's been roughly ten years, eleven years. Yeah, and, and Sid, Sid Haig was old already. Yeah, Sid Haig is already one hundred and fourteen years old. Like it's amazing that he still does conventions and shit. Like he's getting fucking old. But no, we're like really, he's like pushing eighty, isn't he? Yeah. <laughs> so like, you got to do something right now. I just love that. Rob Zombie, like, I trust him. So, th- so that that gives me maybe a he's bit feeling of faith. really good. Maybe he's feeling Which, really good. Anytime about this, Rob this Zombie is life. talking about horror, I really like because he always keeps saying like, you know, I'm gonna go do this movie or uh, this movie. It's always non horror. Like he doesn't want. So if he's getting excited about horror, I'm fucking down. And I hope that he continues to get I excited. I think maybe I think maybe he's gotten over the fact of. Uh, you know, the media, all the criticism and stuff he, that he took from his last film. But maybe he's feeling really good about 31. Yeah. He's feeling like once this thing actually launches itself, it's going to do really well. And he's obviously in good spirits if he's talking about another project right now. You want to see his characters in something else? Fucking rights we do. Yeah. And you know what else? He, if he was able to pull off, you know, even like almost as good as Devil's Rejects, because I really think it's one of the best films in that uh, entire decade. If if he is able to do another one and, you know, that would bring it to a trilogy and you have this Devil's Rejects trilogy then, 
I think that that would be so amazing if there if it was a trilogy instead of just those two films, it, and it was good. You know, it would just it. I think it would take the status of those films, and they would be you know even further cemented in in horror gold in history. As long as long as it's actually a really good film. But then yeah. again, you know, I have I have a lot of faith in him too. I mean, we talked about this just recently, actually, about you know masters of horror and like filmographies and stuff like that. And I think you know Rob Zombie has a really solid one. With the exception of possibly one miss, um, but I trust him though. Mm-hmm. I really do, and I think that his ideas—I think he's creative enough that he can come up with something really cool. But you know, at least he's—you know—focusing on the people and the fans and stuff. Like, do you want this? He's asking the questions and stuff. Like, mm-hmm. you know, some people might take it as you know maybe he's being not very sure of himself. You know, he's being—you know—say what you will, but I think he's taking the right approach. You know, you guys want to see this. Or yeah. don't want to see this. I think it's the way to go about it. So. Yeah. Uh, of course, that is just a tease. That is not really any news. It's not saying that a new Devil's Rejects is being made right now or anything like that. But continuing along, we have another franchise that is sort of uh, peeking its head out from underneath the darkness of the under the bed of the closet or whatever you want to say. And it is the Saw franchise. So the last Saw we got was in 2010 with Saw 3D. Franchise. So now they said that, you know, over the fa- past couple of years, they have said that, you know, it's entirely possible that we bring back the Saw franchise, you know, this Lionsgate, of course. And apparently they are moving forward with an eighth film. And it is uh, being ri- written by Joss Stolberg and Pete Goldfinger. Uh, they did Sorority Row, Piranha 3D, and Piranha Double 3D. Wow, classics. <laughs> and they are going to write Saw Legacy. Uh, although, you know, there's nothing oh my really... God, I fucking hate that title. Please tell me that's like a working title. Saw Legacy? Mm. I don't know, man. I just, I don't like the word legacy. Uh, you know, attached to like an eighth film. I mean, it makes sense. It, it actually does make sense on this one, actually. It, it does. I mean, I, I don't Especially know. Especially if that's legacy. directly tied to the story. Like, this is, you know... Uh, five years after Jigsaw's reign and like the legacy well, of still lives on. At least it's not called the curse of the saw or something. Oh <laughs> so God. No, no. They put Child's play the has the Fuck worst that. titles. Child's play has the worst ones. <laughs> totally. Um, you know, leg- it, when I hear legacy, I just kind of, for some reason I instantly think of puppet master. It's weird. Yeah. yeah I don't know. Yeah. yeah Cause puppet master, the legacy. Yeah. Uh, but anyway, th- this one, uh, I guess, uh, James Wan will executive produce, um, not the director on this one, but you know, he's involved in some sort of way. So yeah, I mean, that's, that's, yeah, he's going to throw his bank account at it and then walk away and do something else. <laughs> I have no involvement whatsoever. <laughs> I don't know, man. I, I, I can't really say I'm excited about it because I really need to finish. I think saw is the only franchise I've never seen all the films to. I've never I, seen all of them either. I'm on, I've seen five of the seven. So. so you've actually seen more. I've seen the first four. And I I own all the movies. I just haven't got to five, six, and seven because I really, really hated Because we're waiting four. to uh, cover them on the show. Yeah, and I, I really, really hated part four so much that I was like, I can't even move on. <laughs> yeah, somebody crazy. actually requested that we do Saw or Puppet Master. So yeah, right there, boom. That's it. The, you see how that just happened? Oh, they just, just keep getting connected. fucking bigger and bigger. <laughs> hey, guys, we just did the Howling franchise. That was eight films. Why not go and do the Puppet Master, which has, Ten I don't know, right what, now. 49 films right now? And if you throw in Doll Man or Demonic Toys versus Puppet Master, that's another one. <laughs> um, 
the good thing about those is they're short. And I actually like those movies. So they I, are short. And uh, that's actually the best thing about those films is that, yeah, they don't overstay their welcome whatsoever. It's not like the Howling films where not one of the movies was under 90 minutes and some were well over 100. Dude, I'll tell you right now. <laughs> what the fuck is that? I'm Dude. feeling invincible. I could do any franchise now. I'm serious. Like, that's I got through the Howling. And the Children of the Corn, like, dude, we are, we're glutton for punishment, man. Yeah. Well, I think, I think it's time to do a good one next, you know, cause we, we, <laughs> like, we, it's probably time but to do But the thing like, is, we have one. done good ones. I mean, Phantasm Halloween. and Halloween Phantasm. come to mind. I think the Leprechaun one was a good one, but. <laughs> Leprechaun, <laughs> I think is, Leprechaun is a very average, I mean, honestly, I like pretty much half the films. Well, I haven't seen the new ones, so that might bring down the percentage of like it's right there. So um yeah, I don't know. It probably is time for a good one. Yeah. Maybe, but maybe we should focus on doing we should do the Saw franchise. But I don't know, is it good? I've heard Yeah, it's good, dude. The, the, the like at least they're entertaining if not like as good. a whole. As like, a whole. But even even like the five that I seen, like I liked them enough. Like they weren't bad. I wasn't like, oh, this is so painful to go through. You know, they were just like I didn't care for like how the story went or whatever. But I mean, they were like well made movies at least. Yeah, yeah, totally. I, I mean, for sure, well made. But, you're not you gonna know. hate your life while watching them, even if you don't like them. You, like you're, you they're they're, they're extremely tolerable. None of the films are like Howling Seven. Yeah. Yeah, they're actual movies. And by the way, like I said, I'm still sticking to it. Howling 7 is not a fucking movie. <laughs> a movie. Like, nothing can be as bad as that. So, I mean, really, we prepared ourselves for anything. We, Yeah. So, we prepared ourselves for anything, man. Yeah. So, I, 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 yeah. Yeah, I mean, the future of our franchise shows will be determined at a later date. We're actually going to take a little break from them. So... Well, but we'll, we'll consider maybe the Saw one when we come back or wrong. But there is some more directors, shows, and things like that that are coming up, so which will be yeah. great. Yeah, we got some cool stuff planned. So, uh, moving along here, <laughs> uh, we actually have a little bit of news from Scream Factory. They announced a couple titles: uh, Submerged, <laughs> which is an IFC Midnight title. Oh fuck! <laughs> and I um, say that with no politeness. Yeah. Damn it. I fucking oh, every day I'm online searching for those 3 IFC titles I need to complete my entire collection. They're getting more expensive, man. I think I'm going to have to eat a fucking eat the ground here and just buy them. I'm not happy. Yeah. I'm not happy because one of them is a film I didn't really care for. I haven't seen, you know, Contracted 2, but I heard it's not that great. So, fucking IFC, man. I think a lot of people are on my, you know, kind of you know they're with me on my boat here um and they're saying you know like they need to just kind of get rid of that ifc contract it's dumbing down their collection man you know yeah honestly like i just look at the, the you know and this is coming as somebody who collects all of their films obviously the appropriate answer to this would be like well don't buy them you know what i mean they're still exactly. releasing all of their their other stuff like which has been said to me before like well, why don't you just stop by them i'm like because i made this this fucking <laughs> you know this thing with myself i made this idea <laughs> we're ocd damn it Leave yeah us and alone. I'm, like, I'm gonna buy all the screen factories but you know had a knowing if i had known ahead of time that they were gonna you know sign a deal with ifc and start releasing a lot of ifc you know i don't even mind the sci-fi like the sci-fi ones are just they're comical to me but the ifc titles they're just bumping them out man you yeah. know and, and they're really like well, we'll get into one later. This isn't a, um, 
a uh, IFC one, but I don't know, man. I wish they just focus on more of what they were doing before. That's yeah, all. Which we're not, but honestly, that doesn't mean that they're not focusing on that, right? I mean, like they they can do both. Like mm-hmm. it doesn't mean that just because they're doing this, it's taken away from what they're doing over here. Um, it's a big company, but I understand as a collector, I just don't want to buy all these IFCs. Like, and mm-hmm. I know that I can just not do it, but at the same time, like I'm, I'd like also made like the weird commitment with myself to buy all of them. That's the word I was looking for. Commitment. See, I don't, I don't know that word very well. <laughs> um, but yeah, I, I totally feel you. And, uh, this, the, the first one is summer. I mean, honestly though, like I'm not going to hate on the movies cause some of them are actually good. You know, I just don't feel like buying them. <laughs> Yeah, the I honestly the IFC films and they have literally been hit and miss. Some of them are actually really good, mm-hmm. you know, and then some are just atrocious. But you know, it's also just the contemporary titles that they're releasing too. They, yeah, I think maybe I, I wish they would just screen and just kind of think that through a little bit more. But like I said, we'll get into one here in a minute. Yeah, uh, <laughs> it'll give you a general idea of what I'm talking about with titles that I just don't understand why they're releasing, but. Yeah, this one seems weird. The submerged one, it's a limousine joyride gone berserk in a breathless, pulse-pounding thriller. Uh, an ex-soldier turned bodyguard hired to protect a young woman, but while cruising with a group of friends one night, their stretch limo runs off the road into the water by a gang of ruthless kidnappers who then dive in to finish the job. Suddenly, it's sink or swim as the bodyguard must keep to fight the vehicle be- from becoming a watery grave. I mean, that kind of sounds interesting. Like, if there's, like, this half-submerged vehicle and it's, like, a contained film, like, I'm not really sure, like, how that, that's going to play out, but it at least sounds semi-interesting. Man, I, ju- I just watched that movie not too long ago. It's called Curve. <laughs> it was on Netflix. <laughs> oh, really? It basically kind of the same idea. About, I mean, essentially, it's about a girl that gets trapped in a vehicle and some dude's fucking with her and shit. It's, yeah, that's kind of weird. Yeah, but is the like, vehicle in the water? As, you know, I want, it eventually goes into the water. There's flash <laughs> okay. floods and the vehicle is drowning and she needs, yeah, like, that's really fucking strange. Okay, this one actually sounds cool too. A disabled, this one's called Dementia. A disabled war veteran is in bad hands when his family hires the live in nurse from hell. In an intense psychological shocker, George is an aging ex-soldier haunted by memories of vietnam so this is sort of a period later uh, maybe not a period piece but uh, at least there's somebody who was in vietnam struggling to reconnect with his estranged son and granddaughter but when he suffers a stroke and is diagnosed with dementia george is left okay so it's modern it's an older guy seemingly sweet nurse who's disturbed by a dark side um this sort of Seemingly sounds like sweet nurse. <laughs> this sort of sounds like, like maybe it is like a misery Type yeah, deal. I was thinking the exact same thing, kind of, in a sense. Yeah, and I mean that that honestly that's kind of up my alley a little bit with the uh, soldier post traumatic stress syndrome, dementia from Vietnam. Like that sounds kind of cool to me. I mean, there is other films out there like that. So yeah. Uh, after that, we have this one, which I don't want to spend too much time on. This one is Sharkensaw Women's Prison Massacre. It's gonna hit. <laughs> On DVD, Blu-ray, May 3rd, uh, directed by Jim Wynorski, who did Chopping Mall, and yeah. uh, Piranaconda, Cobra Gator, Camel Spiders, and Shark Babes. <laughs> yeah, man, his filmography is just getting ridiculous. Like, all of the recent films. Uh-huh. <laughs> it's getting so bad. Like, he used to be kind of like a serious director, and now he's just like, he's so not serious. It's ridiculous. 
Yeah. Okay, so moving on, we have a announcement of some films playing at South by Southwest. I would love to go to this festival one day. It's uh, March 11th through the 19th of 2016 in Austin, Texas. This is the 23rd event. Uh, we have Midnighters, which looks pretty cool. Um, there's not really a, a whole lot of inf- – there's descriptions on all of these and stuff, but really there's just usually a promotional still and stuff like that. This one, the year is 1978. A team of wannabe crooks botch a small-town bank heist and flee with their hostage into the deep California desert where they find themselves in a harrowing fight for survival against a psychotic ex-military sniper. That one sounds cool to me. Not bad. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, <laughs> um, we have a little better. You we know. have Hush. A deaf woman is stalked by a psychotic killer in a, in her secluded home, which that's pretty basic. Home <laughs> that, that's the whole thing. Yep. Well, I mean, at least it's original, though. Mm-hmm. I am a hero. Japan's first major major zombie movie based on blo- blockbuster mega series, based on a blockbuster mega series. Hmm. <laughs> Okay. Okay. That one's from Japan. Uh, Jack goes home. After his father is killed in a car crash, Jack, Jack travels home to Colorado to help nurse his mother, who was injured in that crash, back to health. There, he uncovers long buried secrets and lies within his family, his friends, and his identity. Rory Culkin? Oh, wait, never mind. I thought that was uh, Macaulay. Wait, yeah, that is Macaulay Culkin's. Rory, Rory Culkin, I believe, is the youngest of the three boys. Yeah, Lynn Shay's in this one. So it got a pretty decent cast. Uh, after that, we have Johnny Frank Garrett's last word. <laughs> when a young man is executed for committing murder, he leaves behind a cursed, a curse later, a curse letter in which he promises to take vengeance on all those connected to his trial. Uh, then we have My Father Die. A young deaf boy avenges the death of his brother, and the killer happens to be his father. Uh, mm. After that, we have Pet. A lonely man fatally reunites with a former high school classmate. Fatefully reunites with a ho- former high school classmate. When he spurns his advances, he takes our prisoner. When she spurns his event, spurns? Who uses the word spurn? Seriously. <laughs> uh, he takes her prisoner only to find that uh, she is not what she seems. So that's that one actually looks kind of cool. Uh, hmm. And finally, Phantasm re- remastered. Whoa! Yeah, so the, 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 fan, the 4K transfer of Phantasm is making its premiere there. Um, and then um, there's a few other films. I'm not going to really go into those ones. But yeah, I mean, so South by Southwest, these are probably the films that we'll be talking about uh, later this year. If they get their release, these will probably be ones we're nice. watching right before the year end show. So nice. Yep, pretty cool there. And I uh, got one little other piece of news here. We got Blue Underground announcing that they're uh, releasing Manhattan Baby. Which oh man, you know is, I've heard nothing but like bad things. It, it, you know, it, it's so frustrating to me because I'm assuming that uh, Lustig still has the rights to Don't Torture Little Duckling, and I was kind of hoping that was going to be the next faulty title that they were going to release on Blu-ray because it's a it's good, good film. It's a really good <laughs> film. And Manhattan Baby, I mean, I understand what they're doing. All these editions are a three disc and blah, blah, blah. But this is getting crazy treatment for a pretty, pretty bad film. And, you know, I'm not being biased at all because faulty is my favorite director. And this is not a good film. This is one of his worst films from his like kind of golden age era of, you know, classic films that he put out. I'm really surprised that this is getting that type of treatment. But, you know, like I said, uh, 
Don't torture little, duck, little duckling would have been the choice. I think everyone for would being such that. a big Fauci fan, you do not even know the title of that film. What's that? It's Don't Torture a Duckling. Did I keep saying little? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Didn't even realize I was saying that. Didn't even. Yeah. Don't torture a duckling. Yeah. It's a, it's a really it's a good film. It's a really good film, and it's like. You know, it's quite a bit older than into his classic era and stuff. But I, I don't know why I was saying Little Duckling. Okay, so is Eye that? of the Evil Dead? It's the alternate. Okay, because I thought it's, it was another. I thought they announced two films, but apparently I was wrong. <laughs> well, that's kind of funny that you that you called me on saying Don't Torture a Duckling. I don't know why I was saying Little Duckling. I have no idea. Uh, because I actually commented on your video yesterday about you getting a title of a film wrong. <laughs> <laughs> oh, what was it? The fear chamber or you torture called, chamber? You, you called torture chamber, fear chamber, and then I started to laugh out loud. And then you continue to say, "You're like, oh, I, I can't even remember really anything about the movie." So then I commented on your video saying, "Yeah, apparently you can't remember anything about the movie or the title either." <laughs> <laughs> like, yeah. So- I don't know, man. But yeah, um, yeah, that's the alternate title for Manhattan. But it's such a letdown. That movie is just a disc, real- though, man. That's crazy. It's because it's all their editions now are coming with soundtracks, I believe. I think that's the third disc. What else have they released? Recently, they released a couple uh, Jess Franco films. Uh, yeah. Honestly, they're just going through their back catalog. and Well, some of the release- double features have like a newer film and stuff on them, but they're releasing some very strange awesome editions. I, I don't really understand what they're doing because they have a really good back catalog. They do. But Blue the Underground has a fantastic back catalog. But I'm not sure if they still have the rights to a lot of their films. Like, some Because I was thinking don't. like, you know, House by the Cemetery was put out by Blue Underground, but I'm not sure if they still have the rights to it and like City of the Living Dead and stuff like that because, well, they, obviously. They Air definitely was- still have the rights to City of the Living Dead and House by the Cemetery because they just re-released them in that Fauci pack. Okay, yeah, because I was wondering because Arrow put out their own editions too and stuff, so it, kind of simultaneously, really. Why don't they do like the New York Ripper or something? That was and that was the other one. That's where I was leading after I kept fucking up. Don't torture a duckling's title, <laughs> or I was going to say or the New York Ripper, and that's the movie that I it was either one of those two. You know, I would even I wouldn't even have minded Contraband. I know it's not really your thing. It's more of a Italian crime film, but it's a good Fulci film. It's really fucking violent, and crazy. But why Manhattan? Like, yeah. were the fans really going? Manhattan baby like we want that we, we want Manhattan baby like yeah I don't know makes no sense to me they're making weird choices but. yeah so uh at the end of the day uh this is the last little piece of news here we have and this this is just something I wanted to comment on because I think people are a little confused I think Jason mentioned something we are we did that knowledge where we talked about Synapse and after we recorded that, they did come out and, and say officially like, no, we are not releasing another version. Oh, well, at least they came out and actually fucking said it. Of the uh, ten, ten and Bray. Yes. See, now, that's, see now, now I'm not so mad. At least don't beat around the bush. Just come out and tell us that you're not going to release a standard edition. Right? I still think that they will, though. <laughs> like, I, they, just if they, they told us they will. Honestly, dude, they've they already will. gotten they've already taken a lot of backlash for the pricing, and you know it, it is a little overpriced and things like that. But like, wh- if they if they fucking back out of that and actually release the standard edition, that's pretty shady, dude. Mm-hmm. That's not cool. You can't do that to your fans. I mean, like you said, there's not to us. We there seems like there's a lot of fans, but in like the perspective of the bigger picture there isn't really mm-hmm. you can't be alienating your fans and, and treating them like that that's just bullshit i still so I, I don't think they're really I don't... bad but i'm thinking about just going with the arrow version in the uk honestly yeah my god it just really really drives me nuts man i have you know all the synapse blu-rays well, what's, what's if I don't gonna, get this one, it's frustrate gonna just... me moods 
is that they're going to do it with the other Argento films too. So if you if yeah. you buy this one, you're going to have to buy all three or what, however many they had. And that's the thing. And like, if you go to Arrow, you can get really nice editions of Tenebrae. And Phenomena doesn't have all the different editions on the Arrow one, which is I think they might have two, not all three. But anyways, that's the big selling point for Synapse's release. But yeah, you're right, though. You know, if you don't get this, you know, they're going to release all of them in this type of state. Limited edition steelbooks, and they're expensive. Yeah, it's tough, man. It's a really tough gamble. So if you if you bite the bullet and buy the first one, you have to buy the next two. If you have OCD like us. If yeah. not, then that's what it's can, gonna be. It would be a nice trilogy to have, but not for that price. Like I exact, would, I would exact. like if it was thirty dollars shipped, I would think that's fair. I don't even know what's up with Synapse's prices right now. I know a lot of people have commented on that because you know some of the recent Blu-rays that they've released, like Manos and uh, uh, Mosquito and stuff, like those are relatively decent price Blu-rays, weren't they? Yeah. Like for I got Mosquito like, for like. 14 bucks i think yeah i know they were like really cheap and then all of a sudden they came out with a couple other ones i know they have the black cases and stuff like that but all of a sudden they were like 20 bucks more for on pre-orders and they still have never really dropped in price so i don't know what's up with their pricing right now yeah don't know man it's just crazy and i know a lot of people haven't picked up those those other and they're just standard editions in black cases um because of the price so who knows Maybe Synapse is just suffering or something, man. I don't know. Mm-hmm. So uh, with that said, that that is the news, Moods. All righty. So we will be coming back to you guys right after a brief message. Hey, did you guys ever notice that podcasts talk about the same movies over and over again? Yeah, as much as I love Friday 13th, I don't need another show telling me how good it is. Exactly. Same thing goes for Halloween. It's a great movie, but come on, there's other stuff out there. There should be a show that highlights movies that everyone else seems to skip over. Like, oh, I always wanted to talk about Absentia. And I want someone to cover the room. The Skeleton Key's a good one. Then let's just do one. We can call it The ABCs of Hidden Horror. And we'll go through the alphabet, talking about our favorite horror flicks that get ignored. Great idea! I know what my first one's gonna be. Join Brian, Dave, and me, Jamie, for The ABCs of Hidden Horror on the Horrorphilia Network where we might discuss some of your neglected favorites or introduce you to something new. Alrighty, so moving into Mood Swings and the DVD and Blu-ray releases for February 16, 2016. And yeah, this week it looks like uh, not the biggest amount of releases, but there's a couple of very cool, notable ones anyways. So... Uh, to start us off here, we got a film called Estranged from, uh, I think Wilgo USA is releasing this one. Um, <laughs> to be honest, it looks very much like a uh, ghostly. See, I would say that until I seen the shotgun on the cover and I was like, okay, this seems like it could be maybe like a revenge film. Yeah, true that, I guess, right? But it doesn't the cover like just scream ghost? Yeah, it does. It, like, I, actually don't, does. I actually don't mind this cover that much. I kind of like it. Eh. Yeah. So, I mean, you really never know what you're going to get with Wellgo USA. You just don't know. Yeah. So, who knows? Uh, we got one here from our favorite company out there, um, Screen Archives. I believe this is Twilight Times is releasing this one. Uh, and the title that's on the, the cover art is in Italian, but it's it's translation is A Doll of Satan. Um, this is a really good movie, actually. Uh, kind of sucks that Twilight Times is releasing the Blu-ray, but if you're into buying Twilight Times course it'll be limited to 3000 but they are giving it the blu-ray treatment very very cool um but not cool at the same time Mm -hmm. (laughs) 
right? That kind of that really sucks, man. But you know, it is what it is. Uh, next up here from Arrow, the Mutilator finally getting its release. You know, after what two or three delays, I believe. Mm-hmm. Something like that. Two or three delays. Um, yeah. So the Mutilator coming out, of course, the three disc version, nice slip cover. Uh, no, two disc version. That's right. That's what it is. Very excited for this. I'm. Have you seen the alternate art for this film? No. You haven't? <laughs> yeah. It's. I think it's called Fall Break, I think is the alternate title for the film. Um, you know, a lot of people are like, man, that cover art sucks. I'm like, I actually kind of like it, man. It's so fucking 80s. Kind of <laughs> cool. But yeah, Mutilator finally getting its release. And I just realized that I totally have to switch my shipping because for some, I pre-ordered, well, because I canceled my pre-order with Amazon uh, .ca for the Mutilator. And I canceled that and I ended up ordering it from Arrow. And I bought this movie with um, with Bloodbath. And what I did is I accidentally grouped my shipping. And Bloodbath, it doesn't come out until the end of May. So I wouldn't even receive my Mutilator until... I kept thinking to myself, why isn't this thing shipped yet? Fuck. Uh-huh. I got I to gotta email them and tell them, like, hey, guys, I'll pay the extra shipping. I want it now. But, you know, it's an option when you buy from Arrow to group your shipping if you have a pre-order or whatever. Uh-huh. And it's it's kind of like like an offbeat option. Like you don't really notice it until it's too late, but then yeah. you can't like go in. I have to like email them now. And I'm like, fuck. I'm like, why is my mutilator shipped yet? I really, really want to watch this on Blu-ray. <laughs> so, and fortunately I got to do that. So, um, I'm going to mention this one because I actually do have this on order, but pray for death is coming out. Um, if you guys are into your, you know, eighties ninja films, uh, I'm very not. cultish. I love, love, uh, what's his name? Show Gucci films, man. Fucking awesome, man. So, so good. Um, but yeah, here's probably the biggest release of the week. The Vincent price volume three collection from screen factory is finally getting its release. And I'm really excited about this one, to be honest, because I don't have any of these movies. Yeah, the only problem with that is that there is only four films. And I think, like, the first set had five, the second set had six, and they're all, like, the same price. So it, it is a little... No, I think this one has five films. Does it? Yeah, it's got five films. Oh, yeah. Um, Master of the World, Tower of London, Diary of a Madman, and Evening with Edgar oh, okay. Poe, and Cry the Banshee. Disc 3 has two films on it. Because I actually hadn't picked up those midnight movie double features and stuff with an even uh, an evening with Edgar Allan Poe and Cry the Banshee and things like that. I had never grabbed them, but I'm glad I never did because this is really cool, man. It's not very often that I grab a collection or a Blu-ray box set or any box set in general that I don't have all the, any of the films. Very very cool. So I'm excited for this. Um, because Cry the Banshee, I, I enjoy that film. So yeah, Pretty well, stuff actually, up. it was this the second the second set that had seven films and the yeah. first set had six. Yeah, so they're – but then again, you know, they're running a little short on the films, yeah, I guess. Yeah, but if you think if they would have just planned that third set, they could have rearranged stuff and every set could have had like five. <laughs> exactly, right? <laughs> or I mean, six. Even think so. I know. It does make it look a little a little poor, a little yeah. lackluster, right? Yeah. So uh, next up here from uh, VCI, and this has been released before. It used to be a exclusive to the VCI website, and it's a film called What the Peeper Saw. Now, if you guys are avid followers of the podcast, I reviewed this film i have no idea on what episode oh, come on you should know what episode you did it on you should just be able to have that uh <laughs> that, like programmed in your memory know every episode every uh you know I, I i have no idea if it was like even recent no i, I don't know um but yeah so anyways this movie it was, was actually episode wider. 39 episode 30 so it's been a while 
but yeah, this is finally getting like a you know a wider release, Blu-ray release because like I said, it used to be standard to the website, and then they released the DVD, I believe, wider, and now the Blu-ray is getting a wide release. So I don't know why they did it like this, but uh, check out what the Peepers saw. It's a very interesting film, and it's one of those type of films that you really can't make anymore. I know I said that in my review, but you just can't make movies like this anymore because we're just that's our world that we live in. So. <laughs> It just doesn't happen. <laughs> uh, next up here from Vicious Circle Films. Uh, wow. You know, I was actually just thinking the other day that these guys haven't released anything in a long time. Uh, again, due to the fact I was organizing my room, putting these things into, uh, you know, studios and, and releasing companies and things like that. And it's a film called Riddle Room. Looks awful, dude. This I, looks yeah. absolutely terrible. And I was just going to say, like, if you're going to come out of the woodworks and finally release something, it, th- this doesn't look very good. It doesn't. It's like it's one of the, you can tell right away. It's one of those captive type films. Um, Emily Burns is being held captive in a room with no idea as to why how or how she got there. <laughs> of course, have we? Then you know, I think we've seen this once or twice before. Yeah. But if that interests you, Riddle Room from Vicious Circle Films. Uh, just cool that they're still releasing things because I wasn't even sure if they were still running. You know, it'd been a long time since they released anything. So we got one here from Cinedime. And it's a film called Unknown Caller. Wow. One of these caller type film technology films. Um, a psychopath connects a, t- a ticking bomb, a ticking time bomb to a family's high tech security system and promises to detonate the system unless the father can identify the psychopath based on clues. Seriously? Yeah. What? <laughs> That's the whole plot line to it? Hey, you don't know me, but, or you might know me, but, you know. Uh, whatever. Yeah, and that, I don't, it's kind of yeah, weird. That that is that's a weird storyline, but yeah, very slow week for releases. There is a couple pretty cool, notable ones in here. So, for my pick of the week, release we, of the week, pick of the yes, release of the week. I don't know why I would say pick of the week, release of the week. <laughs> my release of the week for. February 16, 2016 is got to go to Scream Factory in the Vincent Price Collection Volume 3. So if you have to pick up one, go and grab this one. Yeah, I'll be grabbing that. I'm still working my way through the first box set. <laughs> um, I think I have two films left on that one. But I watch all the special features and the commentaries too, so it takes me a little while to get through them. Mm-hmm. Um, but I'm, uh, I can't say that I love that the first uh, – and let's see. I watched – I loved Witchfinder General. Uh, the ho- fall of House of Usher, I thought was just okay, and the Pit and the Pendulum, I thought was just okay as well. So Pit and the Pendulum is probably one of my least favorite um, Corman uh, Vincent Price collabos. Never really was a big fan of that one. Yeah, to be honest, but you know, I mean, it's not like a terrible film or anything, but it's like one of my least favorite collabos that they did. So, um, yeah. what other ones are on the first volume? Uh, let's see. You got the the first. Uh, Fibes movie, Doctor Fibes. Oh yeah, yeah. Uh, and then you have the Haunted Palace, I believe. Yep. And there's one other one that I can't remember. Uh, I have it right next to me. I'll just I'll it's just actually, look really quick. Uh, the Mask really, of Red Death. Yeah. See, it, man, the, the first collection's got a lot of good films. The, the weakest film is Pit and the Pendulum, in my opinion. But the Mask of Red, uh, Red Death, man, I love that movie. It's fantastic. I know a lot of people seem to. I've heard some people say they don't really care for it and stuff, but it's a it's a very beautiful kind of elegant really really good set pieces 
well-acted film. I, I love that movie. It's great. Yeah, I loved, loved, loved Witchfinder General. So see, see, the thing is, if you love the Witchfinder General, you should really enjoy the Mosque of the Red Death. I would assume because pretty cool film. So, but that is going to do it for the DVD and Blu-ray releases for February 16, 2016. Correct. And uh, we have some questions here. And the first one I want to get to right away is this one because it's kind of relative to what we're doing with the DVD releases. It is from Duke via email. And he said, it would be cool if you guys could give a uh, create a small section to talk about upcoming VOD titles such as Southbound, The Invitation, uh, The Green Room, Hardcore, Cabin Fever Reboot, which will all be hitting VOD shortly. Uh, I think what he means is not actually review the movies, but just like how we do with the DVD releases. Just kind of list them off. Yeah. Yeah. Unfortunately, I would be open to do that because one of the things that's weird about us moods is we're in this bubble and we're in the bubble of the collecting community. There's people out there that do not collect like Dave Z. Like he doesn't really collect horror movies. Like he, Mm -hmm. he watches everything that comes out and stuff, but he doesn't collect them. So there are people out there who literally, unless of course it's fright night. In 1985, and then he checks it out 30 years later. <laughs> yeah, what a fucking weirdo. <laughs> th- there's definitely people out there who don't, who who just don't uh, collect. They 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 yeah, watch yeah. VOD. I know I know Brandon is a collector a little bit, but he does a lot of VODing. And certain podcasts that I listen to, they're all about that VOD. You know, I know you listen to Killer POV. A lot of them VOD a lot of stuff. They do, yeah. Uh, yeah. So. I think that it would be if I could find a website that lists them easily where I wouldn't have to track them down every week, I would. Now, the website that we use for the DVD releases does have a section for VOD, but yeah. actually, you know what? We never plug that website, the Horror Club. The Horror Club dot blogspot dot CA dot com. If you're if you're not on another planet. <laughs> well, dot CA would be I, I'm assuming this is maybe. Yeah, I don't know. That's that's strange. Weird. Yeah. Uh, so anyway, uh, they they do have a few listed here for February uh, the sixteenth. We have it in Estranged, which Moods mentioned mentioned in the DVD releases. Uh, the twenty third, we have Frankenstein. The twenty third of February, we also have the Tribe. The twenty third, we have Victor Frankenstein, and then the twenty sixth, we have the Backtrack. Also, February twelfth, which is the day of recording, we have the Cabin Fever reboot, which. Um, is another reason why VOD is kind of interesting because you do get sometimes get to see these movies well before they come out on disc and uh, like the Cabin Fever remake. So I'm sure a ton of reviews will be flooding in right now for the Cabin Fever remake. <laughs> for me, man, it's really annoying because I find myself ducking and you know bobbing and weaving through these reviews and stuff because people will check out a film on VOD, which is mostly available in the US and probably not up in Canada. Um, you know, it doesn't go for all films, but there is certain ones that aren't available and people review it and people are start to talk about it. And then I have to, you know, kind of avoid, you know, those, you know, those sites and those conversations and things like that. So it is uber annoying to me. I mean, not so much for, for Americans and things like that, but you know, you got to look at it from my point of view too. It's fucking irritating. <laughs> yeah. So, uh, continuing along here. So I'll try to find a way to do that. If we can, or maybe we'll at least look and see if there's anything of note uh, for, for you VOD users out there. Uh, next up, we got an email from Syntex er- Error or Terror. I'm not really sure. Uh, I think it's Error. 
He says, uh, this is Jim from Toronto. Yes, there's at least one other person from Canada who tunes in. Uh, thank you to Moods for answering a question I asked through your channel a few episodes ago. My questions are, if you could see a movie in theaters in your lifetime during its first run but missed it, which would it be and why? Also, if you could see a movie before your lifetime, which one and why? My choices would be The Exorcist in my lifetime and Psycho, both because of the big hype and buzz they generated during the each uh, of their releases. Uh, so I guess we could answer that one really quick. So he wants to know if there's a movie that was out before your lifetime you wish you could see in theaters, what would it be? And pick one that was released in your life, lifetime that you missed. Um. You know, I have seen this movie on the big screen before, but I would have loved to have seen it when it first came out, uh, which predated my birth by two years. And that's Dawn of the Dead. I would have loved to have seen when that first came out in theaters um, and one during my life. Uh, you know, honestly, it would probably have to be uh, Fright Night. Mm. Yeah, that would have been cool. Um, mine would easily be the one before my lifetime would be. Uh, the Texas Chainsaw Massacre, um, and honestly, the one doing my like, there's not much stuff that came out in the '90s, you know. <laughs> um, I guess because I seen all the other screams in the theater, I would go with the first scream because I seen two in the theater, three in the theater, and four in the theater. I seen all four in the theater actually. Yeah, so I would have liked that or the Blair Witch Project. Uh, I've seen that too, because <laughs> um, I would have loved to see those in the theater. But definitely the Texas Chainsaw Massacre before my lifetime, which I had an opportunity to check out last year during a uh, drive-in on 35mm, and I missed it. Uh, this year, though, Moods, they have Fright Night uh, playing, uh, Night of the Creeps on 35 Uh There's a few uh, uh, so sweet. Near Dark, The Lost Boys. All these films are going to be on 35 at this uh, drive-in in a wow, couple towns cool. over. So I might go to that. Mike. Yeah, it's pretty, you can, what do you mean, Mike? You got to go to that, man. I need somebody to to drive there for me. Oh, just I, I don't trust my whip, man. <laughs> yeah, I guess that's always a complication, right? You know, if yeah. you don't completely trust your vehicle on, before you go on a road trip, don't take it. <laughs> yeah. Probably just going to cause you more problems. But yeah. we're gonna we're gonna try to hit it up this year. Uh, I talked to somebody and they're kind of interested, so we'll see. Uh, then, lastly, to Jeremy, you've mentioned many times that you don't rewatch as a general rule which is cool my question is why did you bother collecting movies couldn't you just see them in the theaters if possible rent them on vod or any other way i'm not trying to be insulting or an idiot but i'm just curious and this could also be a general question for the others out there in the community is it just simply the hoarder in you and can you can get the movies cheap that's kind of like why you do it or not uh, thanks. Looking forward it, to the response. Should in his be. case, I think it has a lot to do with getting movies cheap. I mean, he lives like right in the heart of cheap DVDville, man. You know, he's got like a fucking million family videos around him. Get that shit for like a dollar. Yeah. Who wouldn't collect, man? Like it's cheaper <laughs> to buy the movies than it is to rent them, literally. So I don't know. Yeah. You know, it, it's kind of one of those things that uh, I question myself all the time. You know, that's like when Zach mentions it's an easy, that he it's doesn't like uh, watching special features, that he only buys it for the movie. But then I'm like, okay, I, I'd like me, I, I don't even know if I would collect if I didn't at least 
you know want to check out some special features because I don't know. It's weird. It's kind of it's kind of pointless. If we're being a hundred percent honest, collecting no. is, is kind of pointless. No, it's not. Why? It's not because everybody needs a hobby. It's a hobby. It's not pointless. It's yeah, peace well, of mind. In that way, like yeah, it's peace of, and that's exactly why I do it because I enjoy doing it. Simple and plain. It's like playing sports. Why do people play play sports? They enjoy doing fun. it. You know, some people don't enjoy playing it. Yeah, exactly. It's fun. That's why they do it because they get enjoyment out of it. You know, I don't play sports as much as I, I probably should. And, you know, I gr- that's what I did. I love playing sports, but I don't play them as much anymore. And so I rely heavy on something else, which is collecting. I collect music and I collect movies. It's just a hobby. It's peace of and, mind. It's fun to do. And it keeps me entertained. There's no, a that, lot of that, reasons. Yeah, that's that. I mean, I, I know that. But I meant like if you're going to break it down into like, you know. Yeah, but like, I don't. Why, I don't. It doesn't need to be thought about that hard, though. It's just, it is what it is. I mean, the, I, I, I the mean, I think there's facts. room to discuss that, though. I mean, it was a question asked us. Yeah, it might not need to be broke down like that, but I mean, that's that's why I collect, you know, because I get enjoyment out of it. I mean, you know, other people get enjoyment out of gardening. You know, people might question, why do you garden? Like, that's so fucking. Why don't you just go buy your radishes at the uh, the grocery store? Because it's not the same to them. They get enjoyment out of planting and growing and harvesting them. And, you know, that's what they do. You know, it's it's no different. Everyone has their hobbies. You know, some people no, build models. <laughs> I wish everyone had their hobbies. I tell my cousin all the time, dude, you I don't need understand to get a fucking people... hobby because I would literally go insane if it wasn't for the podcast and YouTube and, and collecting movies. I would you literally go true. insane. There, there's a very small percentage of people, I think, that don't do anything extracurricular in their life, like either play I know a lot or of do them. something. A lot of them. Everybody I, around me is. Not me. Not me, man. Like, like I, a lot of my friends don't play sports and stuff, and they really don't, they don't collect anything and stuff. But what they do is their hobby. They fucking kill things. They're hunters. Yeah. That's what they do. That's their thing. And they spend all year preparing for their big trips. And it's all they fucking talk about their goddamn camo and their fucking hillbilly shit. God, I hate that. It's so annoying to me. I'm not going to lie. Like, it, it, Super Bowl, they start, people start piping up about their damn hunting. I'm like, fuck off. We don't all do that shit. But it's the same thing. You know, like, I don't talk about movies and stuff around them because it's not interesting to them. But that's their hobby. That's what makes them happy. Go ahead, do it. Yeah. I so I mean, yeah, th- that's really what it comes down to uh is is that it's a hobby. And that's that's kind of the only way that I could explain why I do it instead of watching because I do love movies, but mm. like he said, like why collect them if you're not a rewatcher, you don't watch special features or or whatever and it's like at the end of the day that is the only because it makes us happy would be the only mm-hmm. like logical explanation. There's I do have a I always question people that don't rewatch films either, because if you love a film, like, why wouldn't you just want to watch it again? You know, I, like I mean, well, my rewatching has dramatically changed. Like, I don't rewatch really within a year. I See, won't watch the same movie twice in a year, usually yeah. unless we're covering it. And it's because there's just so much out there that I haven't watched that I don't have time. If I'm not going to I'm going to spend the time that I do have. I always make stuff. time to watch some of my favorite films over and over again. Because I, that, it just makes me happy, right? I, I just, I don't want to ever make this feel like it's a job, or I don't have time to enjoy it, you know, in full, you know. So I do, like, I'll watch fucking whatever. I, I don't know. Yeah. <laughs> I rewatch See, films well, my, quite my often. My thing is, you watch, like, I don't watch <clears throat> that many movies, and it, it, I guess it's not because I don't have time, just because I don't want to. Uh, I don't, I don't, I can't watch 
you know, more than two or three a day. And that's like really pushing it for me because I just can't, I can't, I'm OCD. I'm the, you know, <laughs> and some people are like, you watch two or three a day. Holy shit. <laughs> I, I mean, I am from a generation that is run by technology. And I, as much as I yeah. re- regret yeah. to inform everybody, it like really did kind of corrupt me as well. And I, I really get like, I can, I, I'll have to look at my phone Everyone's or I'll have to technology. Ch- check the news or uh, look at MMA stuff or play Xbox. Like, I, I just, I need to switch up what I'm doing like every hour. Or commenting um, in Facebook Messenger group yeah, chats. Yeah. Uh-huh. So yeah. that's the thing here. So, I mean, that's really why I don't really rewatch anymore, um, rewatch that much anymore. Uh, you know, I, I really do love watching new stuff though. Like that's kind of my, how it used to be where all I would do is watch Friday 13th and Elm Street and Chainsaw and all these like big franchises that I loved. Now all I want to do is watch stuff that I've never seen. So it's yeah. kind of interesting how you change a little bit over time. But, mm-hmm. uh, with that said, uh, we do have a few more things. We, we better get into these voicemails before we run out of time here. And, uh, <laughs> I mean, we have we have a good bit of them, so uh, let's uh, let's hop into those. What, what do you actually do, voicemails? Is there one that you uh, want to go to first, or does it matter? No, you can just kind of play them on how you have them, and let's go okay. from there. Uh, first one we have, and uh, there's a few more things we have to get to, guys, uh, including some feedback that I haven't got to yet. That so we're gonna try to go through these a little bit quicker today. Uh, so here's the first one from Lawrence. Hey guys, it's Lawrence. I, hey Lawrence. Uh, I've just been listening to the podcast about the cat people, and yeah, I've got. Well, at least someone listened to it. So <laughs> it's doing kind of weird things. For being a smartphone, it's actually fairly stupid. But <laughs> my question was about zombies, and more specifically the zombie genre. I wanted to know. Uh, what would you do to make zombies interesting? What would you do to make them different from the generic type that we all know as the Romero zombies? Anyway, have a great time, guys, and love hearing your podcast. Keep it up. Okay, so what would we do to make zombies a little more interesting? Moods, do you have anything? Um... Yeah, you know, it, it's interesting because you hear the question all the time. Um, the zombie genre is very stale. Like, they don't really bring a lot of new elements to the the zombies themselves. There's different ideas in films, you know, a, around the zombie genre. But the zombies themselves, I mean, we went from very slow-moving zombies, you know, the Romero ones, to, you know, the Dawn of the Dead remake where there were running zombies. And that was kind of a transition a little bit. Would you not agree? Yep. You know, the running zombies was kind of different. Oh, you but, mean, I mean the zombies from 28 Days Later? <laughs> the the zombies from 28 Days Later? No, because there is no zombies in that film. Oh, yeah. Uh, you mean the infected people? Yeah. Oh, you so mean like, the one that on the cover it says, like, a groundbreaking uh, move in the zombie genre? That one? <laughs> <laughs> Which is a totally irrelevant quote, considering there's no zombies in that film. Mm. Who the fuck is writing this stuff? Uh but yeah, you know, zombies themselves are very kind of standard when you think about it. There's certain films that focus on elements like Return of the Living Dead where they're they're kind of, you know, they're brains. They're about eating brains. And other films, they just eat whatever. You know, they're zombies. They walk around. And 
there's not really a whole lot you can do. I mean, there's the films have explored a lot of different things with with zombies, but I was kind of thinking that turning zombies into more like almost like a vampire, you know, in a way, not with the blood thing, but like, you know, say zombies, which is this has been done before in a film, too. But, you know, zombies can only, um, you know, kind of walk the earth and do what they do at nighttime. You know, it's kind of like vampires. I know this has been explored in a movie that came out, what, last year, year before? Uh I thought it was actually a really cool idea. I am but, legend are kind of like zombie vampires too. Yeah, and I like the idea of the zombies only being able to to come out of the rise from the dead at nighttime and that's, you know, they're they they can't daywalk. I, I do like that premise. Um so like in the daytime if they were to still be alive or whatever not hide or so they would essentially melt. Kind of like vampires, you know, the daylight makes them fire up. <laughs> you know, they, they explode into fire, fire flames. Uh, you know, maybe make the zombies uh, breedable. Maybe they maybe they're very almost sexually active. You know, now we're getting a little ridiculous, but I don't think I've ever seen that before. You know, zombies that are, you know, kind of impregnated. I don't know. Um, but they don't focus on just eating the whole body and stuff. They focus on just eating uh, certain parts of the body, say private areas like, you know, tits and asses and vaginas and cock and balls, you know. So you, you got like a very specific zombie here, only able to to hunt at night. Uh, they can talk, you know, maybe they can talk. Um, the daylight actually destroys them. Um, they're sexually active and but they only feast on private parts. <laughs> <laughs> OK, um, me. So it's like a completely different zombie. Uh, me personally, I honestly don't like messing with the zombie genre too much The in terms of the zombies themselves. I feel like if you take the setting of the film or you take the uh, like a key plot that kind of makes it unique uh, with, with the characters or whatever, I think that's what you mess with. Messing with the zombies themselves, I'm not a fan of it. It always seems gimmicky to me and it just – it never really works how I like it, you know, whether – I think the best I've seen it done was like Return of the Living Dead where they like talk and stuff. And even then you're, yeah. you're you know, blurring the lines of gimmicky and not. Um, I think that I like the – maybe if there was a little bit more science behind it. Like I read that book uh, that – I forget his name but he wrote it. It was like oh, you, the you, So you want like a serious zombie? Yeah. What do you mean? Like my zombie? Those don't sound serious? Oh, no. <laughs> serious. What, are you kidding me? Um, no, but yeah. I mean, like, I, I, my favorite zombie movies are the serious ones, the Romero films. Like, and it's all about the characters. So if you want to mess with stuff, mess with the characters. Maybe add a little bit more science to the zombies. Like, like, oh, why can this one move a little bit faster? Oh, it's because he's less rotted. You know, you never really hear them say stuff like that. If you want to make them speedy or slower, like... I, I like stuff like that, and for the most part, I just like my classic zombie setup um, where people are stuck somewhere and they're zombies, and, uh, you know, I, I don't like too much messing with it. It's all make unique characters make and, and make uh, make me different things I haven't seen with the characters, and, and that's that's kind of what I would do. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah. So, yeah. Uh, that answers your question, Lawrence. Here's uh, another uh, voicemail from Lawrence here. Hey, it's Lawrence. I'm just calling you guys because on the horror group, I left a question. I was wondering what your guys' answer would be to this. I asked what two animals would you combine to make a creature feature horror film? And a lot of people got really excited about this and started putting some really crazy stuff on there, like a snake and a bat, a 
octopus and a T-Rex, all sorts of crazy stuff. But what would you do? What kind of creature would you put in a horror film? Comedy or otherwise. I'm pretty sure that you would want to keep it serious. It doesn't matter if the creature's ridiculous. Just let us know what you would do. Anyway, have a great time, guys. Oh shit, that makes me laugh. Oh, fuck. First thing that came to my mind is the first thing I wrote down. I was like, man, I gotta keep this thing in Canada. I know like you, you can find these animals in other parts of the world too, but uh I mean, you know, a little more south. Uh but I was just thinking if you mixed a bear with a moose because my God. that would serious, be scary. It would be scary because People don't realize how big mooses actually really are. They're fucking ginormous. And bears are bears. They're bulky. They're huge. But if you, like, kind of blended those two together, you have this big, bulky bear with these long moose legs with a huge rack on the head. And, man, it would be fucking scary with the ability that bears have to, like, maneuver and stuff. Oh, fuck. This is a scary animal. Huge, huge scary animal. Call that thing the – call it the boose. Call it a boose. Yeah. (laughs) Scary. Yeah, definitely. I mean, a, a herd of meese by themselves are scary. <laughs> a herd of meese? <laughs> <laughs> I know, right? That's a reference to an older episode. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, but I don't know, man. I'm thinking like something like a porcupine snake. Uh, I think that, that would be pretty scary. <laughs> porcupine snake? Yeah, like a a, cro- a cobra pine or something. Or a porcupra or a rattle. <laughs> Porky, it, <laughs> it is frightening, man. Because porcupines kind of freak me out a little bit, and snakes are snakes. Yeah, big combo. Yeah, what the hell would that look like? I don't know. I don't know Basically, man. it would be a snake that, like, literally every part of its body is just gonna kill you. <laughs> like, you know, snakes are scary enough, but add like other things that are, you know, gonna mess you up. <laughs> All right, so uh, moving on here, we got one from Derek. Hey guys, Derek here as usual, back again after a long hiatus from voicemails, and I'm going to try to leave one when I can, not probably every week, because I'm trying to think of new ones to leave you guys, and I thought of a really well voicemail that I think you guys will dig and enjoy, so my voicemail is this in question for the voicemail. And that is, if you could take your least favorite actor and your least favorite actress and put them in a, like a slasher film, how would you have them killed and who would you have them killed by? So I think it would be interesting if you could choose like a different, like, killer or a way of killing them for each actress and actor. So I'd like to hear back from you guys and as always, wicked awesome podcasts. I've been listening and check you later. Peace out. Alright, so uh, actresses and actors that we do not like. Uh, I, I really don't have many that I don't like. I, I guess Luke Wilson is like the only guy that I've ever just been like, oh, I hate this guy. I <laughs> like that too. But, I hate that guy too. Um, and you know, if if I had him in a horror movie, I'd just probably have him killed as brutally as possible. Just, you know, because. <laughs> <laughs> what about you? Uh, uh, I didn't really think of a, 
a female, but um, the first person that came to my mind actually was Owen Wilson. But I was thinking, I was like, I don't know. Owen if he's ever... Wilson is awesome. No, Luke Wilson sucks. Owen Wilson's awesome. No, Owen Wilson is fucking atrocious. Uh, but I, I, I started thinking of horror films, and I mean, this guy I think has only ever been in maybe one, but he's oh, fuck. I hate him so much in this movie. But I, I was thinking of Freddie Prince Jr. from I know what he did last summer. I know I've talked about this on the podcast before. I just I fuck. He's atrocious in this movie. He's just terrible. Um, but I would put him into a film, and somehow I would throw him into a deep fryer. And before he's actually dead, I'd pull him out of that motherfucker, light him on fire, and then throw ninja stars at him. It's very, you know, not ever going to happen. I see we're <laughs> making an over-the-top to- over horror film. <laughs> exactly. But I was just trying to, you know, it's, it's a little bit of, it's a long death. It's torturous, you know. And it's Freddie Prince Jr., man. He needs that shit. Ugh. All right. I hate so... that guy. He's terrible. <laughs> I didn't. I, I I haven't watched that movie in a long time, but I don't oh, remember he's so hating bad. him. He's so bad. All right. So uh, next up, we have a voicemail from what sounds to be somebody from Transylvania. <laughs> Hello, twenty-two shots of mood and horror. This is Chuck. <laughs> yes, Chuck. I have a question for you. There have been many different vampires throughout horror films. I want to know what is your favorite vampire character. And I also want to know who portrayed said vampire the best. I know who you must be thinking of. Is it Christopher Lee? Perhaps it's Bella Lagosi. Or maybe more modern takes. I don't know. What is your favorite vampire? Just let me know on the next podcast. Anyway, have a great night, you boys and girls. Ah, 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 ah. Anyway, peace out. <laughs> well, I think I've killed them, didn't I, hey, Igor? I'm a most convincing Bastion. Oh, sir! The still on! What? Oh shit, this touch screen. <laughs> yes. That was awesome. <laughs> Listen. Oh what's my more god. awesome about that voicemail is that's the first attempt. Because once you call, you can't cancel the call. You know what I mean? And yeah, you yeah. Can send any other one. I don't even know who that was, do you? Not a clue, man. Oh, so if that's it, someone fuck it like that when I listened to that last night, I was like, what the I had to listen to it again. I was like, I don't know who the fuck this is. I oh, thought it was so, Corn Dog. Yeah, that's the only person I thought of at first, just because he's like wacky and stuff. But I thought that was such a great voicemail. Um, you know, wow. Uh, the, you know, it's funny. There's it's a joke a, at the end. Good stuff, man. It's a good vampire give you mad voice, man. <laughs> it was well played. I always right, don't so. want to know who it is at the same time. <laughs> well, yeah, just keep dropping those, man. That's that's really funny. So. Um, I guess I'll go first on this. Okay. One. Yeah. Um, my favorite performance, I think, I, it's a toss up between Bela Lugosi in the original Dracula and Christopher Lee in uh, Dracula Has Risen from the Grave because that's the only one I've seen with him. But I thought he was so just commanding, and I, I think yeah, that's my so favorite good. is the Christopher Lee one. Mm-hmm. Uh, the only other one that I, I could really think of is I know that like some people like cannot stand this, but. I really like the portrayal of of all of the vampires in the Lost Boys. Just the like free spirited, just like 
like love and life in this like nighttime just like gang. I, like I, I really like it. it. Made me want to be a vampire. Mm. So I'll go with that. Um, I think my favorite looking vampire of all time is probably uh, Graf Orlock from Nosferatu. Oh, I forgot. How did I not even remember? Did to- I personally think that is the creepiest looking vampire. I, I agree. I ever. Agree. You know, it's not my favorite vampire film in the in the world. Like, I love Nosferatu. It's not my favorite one. Uh, but man, is that ever a creepy performance? He just looks so damn cool. <laughs> so cool. Uh, like my favorite overall vampire is uh, who portrayed Dracula. Um, I should say is uh, is Christopher Lee. Like I, nothing against Bela Lugosi. I love the Bela Lugosi one, but I think it's because Christopher Lee did so many. And they were good portrayals and he did a lot of really good films, you know, Dracula films. And I think he's just more memorable in that sense. But I'm also a lot more. I've watched those movies a little bit more, too. Um, But I love Christopher Lee as uh, as Dracula. I think he's great. But yeah, the the creepiest looking one, though, is Graf Orlock, man. Yeah, for sure. Played by Matt Max Shrek. And I want to say maybe like the Shrek movies took his his name and just maybe that's where they got it from. I never really thought of that before. I have no idea. <laughs> Shrek. Isn't that weird? Yeah. yeah. So, all right. Thanks for the question there, Dracula. Uh, yeah, that was we awesome. Have, we have uh, another one from Lawrence here. Hi, guys. It's Lawrence again. I'm just calling to ask you about a film that I saw a while ago, and I absolutely love it. I don't know if I ever asked you this before. I don't think I have, but have you ever seen the film... Mr. Vampire from 1985. You could probably consider it to be a horror comedy, but it... Okay, so it kind of is, but it's really something else. It's... It's one of those things that's hard to describe because it's (laughs) from a completely different culture. It's from, I believe, China. I'm hoping I didn't make a whole bunch of people angry and say, no, that's wrong. Oh, it is wrong. It is from Taiwan. No, I think it's from Hong Kong, okay, actually. Yeah, yeah I just had someone yell at me. It's Taiwan. I think it's Hong Kong. Uh, but <laughs> the film is really amazing. The vampires they have there are very different than the ones we yeah. don't know, and their ghosts are far different. Yeah. I was wondering if you had seen it because I think if you haven't, it would be a really refreshing view on something that's become very stale here in the state. So if you've seen it, what are your thoughts on it? If you haven't, could you maybe consider doing the entire series? Granted, the first one is the best, but you're doing so many series reviews i thought i just throw this one out there anyway have a great time guys bye all right so that was lawrence asking i didn't catch the title what was it moots mr vampire and someone screamed in the background it was from taiwan i'm pretty positive it's from hong kong i think it's a hong kong film it's i know the language is cantonese but i think they also speak that in taiwan too i believe um but yeah, I'm pretty sure it's from Hong Kong. I actually have seen this film, but I've seen it so many years ago. I don't really remember it too much. I remember it being very, very odd. And all I remember from the film was a lot of like really strange Kung Fu fighting. And I believe that there's even like the hopping vampires in it. I could be mistaken about that. 
I need to revisit this one. I do not own it, and it is long out of print and goes for ridiculous mm. prices, which is kind of a shame. And I've actually had it on a list. I could even prove that I have. I've had it on a list to buy forever, and it's just I've never seen a price a reasonable price to get the film at. So, um, but yeah, he is right though. From what I remember, it's kind of in the, well, this movie came out before uh, Chinese ghost story, which if you've seen a Chinese ghost story is very, very fucking strange in itself. It's just, I posted a picture on my Instagram one time and not a lot of people liked it. Cause I don't think a lot of people have actually seen the movie. If you do look up a Chinese ghost story, it's always on lists of films you need to see before you die. Oh yeah. 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 I, okay. I know. It's that. always one of those films that pops up on there and I checked it out finally and my God, it is strange. It is really, really strange. It's very, not in a sense, kind of slapsticky, but it's done differently. It's that type of Hong Kong humor mixed in with a lot of like kung fu elements and stuff. And it's like a ghost story, but their ghosts are different. Like he was saying, it's very strange. It's very not North American. You know, it's very different and it's very cool to watch. Um, and I think Mr. Vampire is kind of along the same lines as that, too. Um, but yeah, I can't quite remember it, man. Sorry. I, I wish I could comment on it more. Yeah. And since it's out of print, we, that probably means that we won't do it anytime soon. I think the least. cheapest copy around here I've come across is $55, which is such a shame. Like you can get, uh, Mr. Vampire two on Blu-ray, I think for more than, or less than half the price of that. So yeah, sucks. All right. So moving on here, we have Rob from Georgia. He has a two parter. He gets cut off in the first part. So we'll just move into the second part, uh, after the first. Hey guys, Rob from Georgia. Um, just watched the Green Inferno. I don't know, a week or two ago, or whatever, and uh, listened to the commentary. And uh, I don't know, I had a couple thoughts, and uh, I'm just gonna throw them out there for you and uh, see what you guys think. You know, in contrast uh, to the older ones, uh, Cannibal Ferox or even Holocaust. You know, that movie, uh, the Green Inferno, just it just seemed too colorful. I don't know, I don't know what it was. It felt too lush. It had. It just seemed like it had too much of a nice feel to it. Um, I don't know. I think it could have benefited from a bit more of a washed out or desaturated look. It just, I don't know, too colorful. I don't know if you know what I mean by that, but it just, it just, I don't know. I wonder, you know, what it would have looked like in 16 millimeter, uh, a little bit more grainy or rough. I'm not sure, but you know, that's, you know, the other thing is just didn't, I'm surprised that movie didn't feel mean to me. It just, uh, you know, when you think of like Wes Craven's Last House on the Left or even Hooper's Chainsaw, even Romero's Night of the Living Dead, you know, the thing is, is those guys, they were pissed off at the world when they made those movies. You know, the vibe is heavy. And it's, uh, as far as, I mean, as far as I'm concerned, it's what makes those movies endure. You know, much like Metallica's Angry Album, you know, Injustice for All. The loss of Cliff was devastating. And the result was a few guys, you know, that were hating the world for it. I think that's why that album endures. Uh, you know, there's something to say about real passion that's poured into something. There's a, a quality or a spirit that results when, I think, when someone pours or, or, you know, someone pulls out their anger or all their passion into something, you feel it. You know, uh, Eli uh, said in his commentary that he wanted to shoot a piranha scene. You know, but for whatever reason, it didn't happen. You know, could you imagine a scene reminiscent of the end of Chainsaw when Sally burst through the window bling and terror, but rather Roth would be victim, having bursted out of the tree line into a river only to be consumed by a school of piranhas. I mean, that could have been the defining moment or a defining moment that would have set that movie It's a off better ending. Side, you know, like Last House or even Chainsaw. You know, um, if you would have, I, you know, I think if you would have let that jungle literally become 
an inferno of hell. You know, I think there was a little bit of that in the, uh, what I'll call the you know, almost infamous ant scene, but I don't know if it ever really quite carried itself out. You know, yeah. Rob Zombie gets it. I mean, at least in like Rejects. I mean, there's this like air of meanness to that movie. That movie's just mean. You know, Inferno just doesn't, uh, it just didn't feel mean to me in spite of some of the carnage we saw. It just, it never felt heavy. Um, I'm not sure if you, I mean, I'm not sure if you guys see that or not, but, uh, I just like, I, I guess I just expected more from that movie. But I was a little disappointed, but it was alright. I mean, a little disappointed, but, uh, I don't know. I think there's just something to say about, you know, this I, all right, we'll skip to his second one. Now. Anyhow, sorry about that. I don't, it just, I guess I'm, that was basically it. Just, uh, I guess, you know, with a title like The Green Inferno, I mean, I was really expecting something harsh, something really, really mean. And it, it just never, uh, I don't know, it just never felt like that. I don't know what you guys expected or what, um, I know it's been talked about a little bit, but um, I guess I was a little surprised. So that's why I wanted to just spend a few minutes and share a few comments. And, uh, you know, I'm not sure what you guys think, but anyways... Uh, great show last week, and uh, looking forward to this show this week. And uh, hope all is well. And uh, and uh, we'll talk to you again soon. All right, bye. All right, so that, that's Rob bringing up some actually very good uh, yeah points, and uh, I like the way he's thinking because I think that that's interesting that he mentioned it. You know, at the time of them, you know, the other directors making the films that he mentioned, that they were very angry. And that, that comes back to the conversation we had that Lawrence sparked a while ago about um, is, is there like history when there's something you know, wrong with the world, does it result in there being more mean-spirited films where I said it did? And I think that that's an interesting comparison because I've used Hostel as an example, uh, you know, uh, like Hostel and, all, and, and those films like post 9-11 as, as sort of an example of the war in Iraq and stuff as as an example and and that's an eli roth film is the world mm-hmm. just too happy that eli roth cannot make a good cannibal film a hardcore mean-spirited cannibal film is is that what's going on here I, or was I, it I just a missed opportunity i think it's a missed opportunity i think i don't think it has anything to do with the world right now i think i think a lot of the people's opinions on this film too i think are a little bit uh they're almost it's it's hard to really kind of pinpoint exactly what it is, but I think there was a lot of buildup to the Green Inferno. Like we knew, we were waiting for this film for what a couple of years to come out. Uh-huh. You know, there was a lot of talk about it, and everyone's expecting this crazy, crazy piece of cinema. You know, Cannibal Holocaust mixed with like New Age effects and just craziness, craziness. I think a lot of it has to do maybe with the buildup that a lot of people are a little bit disappointed in it. That's just maybe my opinion. Um, but I have actually rewatched the Green Inferno since. And uh, my original rating on the film was a seven. And honestly, man, since I rewatched it, I my rating actually dropped wow. on it. Yeah, man. I, I don't know what it is about the movie. And I do. I never really thought about it until Rob had said that the movie just doesn't feel mean. And then when I listened to it last night, I started thinking about it. And I said, you know what? That's a really good point because this movie is filled with atrocious, annoying, shitty characters. And I think that it's just not mean. The He's not he's not portraying that meanness towards these characters as he, be, I think it's a missed opportunity really is what it is. You know, there's so much potential to just destroy these characters in the meanest possible ways because of what he's showcasing with the, with the characters, you know, and it's just definitely not there. Um, as for looking pretty clean. Yeah, it is really clean. That was one of my um, criticisms on the film right away. I was actually expecting it to look a little more 
uh, drawn out and washed out and stuff based on the setting and yeah, exactly you know, now what he's you going mention for. It, it looks like they just built that those hot like they don't yeah. feel real like yeah. the all it, huts and stuff like it I, just feels like I'm very glad that he brought that up because it was one of my first criticisms. I said, wow, this movie really does look a little too clean and crazy. But I never thought about the meanness. But that is a really, really good point, Rob. And, you know, it got me thinking. It really did get me thinking. And honestly, I didn't know about the piranha thing. But again, thinking about that, Jesus Christ. We, that uh, Besides, you know, the film looking way too clean and stuff. And uh, I always thought the ending was just beyond atrocious. I, I don't know what Eli was thinking with the ending that he did put in the film. And why he didn't shoot this piranha scene, but I think the piranha scene, oh my god, so much better sounding. <laughs> yeah, I don't know, man. It, it's weird. Like I, I am honestly, it did make my top ten. I do like it. Yeah. Um, I did think that it was pretty. Uh, I guess there was moments in the film that I thought were really intense, like the plane crash and before the plane crash when they're in, you know, protesting, and I like the social commentary there and stuff. Yeah. But I, I honestly did find it one of the more disappointing films of last year, and it was partially due to hype. I mm-hmm. hyped that film, not from other people saying how good it was, because I didn't really hear much. I heard a lot of negative stuff, honestly, before yeah. I watched it. But it was the hype that I built for myself, because mm-hmm. in 2013, when we did the top 10 show, I said it's my number one film I'm looking forward to. Guess what? In 2014 at the top 10 show, I said the same thing, because it still yeah. wasn't out. You know, It was yeah. a long time waiting on it. And it just it just disappointed. I just don't think that it was that good in terms of mm-hmm. what it what I built up in my head. Um, but at the same time, you know, I still did like it. But I could see my rating dropping a little bit, noticing more flaws and stuff like that. Yeah. Uh, so yeah. Um, good good voicemail as usual, Rob from Georgia. Yeah, we actually, love yeah. Voicemails. <laughs> I, I love those voicemails because it got me thinking. I was like, damn, that's a really good point. <laughs> and, yeah. You know, I sat there and I would listen to the voicemails in between these films I was watching last night, and it actually delayed me from watching my next film by like an hour. I sat there and thought about it and just like, Jesus Christ, man, like mm-hmm. that's those are good. And thank you, Rob, for doing that because that's what the show's about: conversation and thinking about. You know, and taking other people's opinions and views on things and and uh, relocating them into your own thoughts. So, all right. Uh, So with that said, we have one more voicemail and then a couple questions. We're going to try to go through these uh, pretty fast. This one is, uh, well, I'll just play it. All right. What's going on, everyone out there on the 22 Shots of Movies and Horror? This is your favorite Jewish Jewish, Jewish, Jewish friend, (laughs) Herman. And I just wanted to call in to remind everybody that JP is still a Mexican fucking asshole. Please remember that JP is a Mexican fucking asshole. I love you all. Goodbye. <laughs> I love how he doesn't even mention me. He doesn't say, hey, Moods. JP, yeah. you're a fucking asshole. Yeah, thanks a lot. Herman. Did he say his name is Herman? No, he said Jeremy. Did he? I thought he said Herman. I was like, what the fuck? Yeah, I think he was <laughs> losing some service there or something, but... Uh... Yeah, nice to hear from Jeremy calling in and calling me an asshole, a fucking Mexican asshole. Yeah, not just Mexican an asshole, fucking a fucking asshole. <laughs> yeah, yeah. yeah, and uh, thanks for saying hi to me too. That's the real dick move there. Yeah, yeah. So, um, yeah, those uh, somebody actually asked on the last podcast, like, where is Jeremy? <laughs> so I, 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 I don't, didn't want to be rude. <laughs> I was, yeah, you know, talk about this quite a bit, but yeah. So, um, there he is for you, listener. <laughs> um, also. 
yeah, uh, I think we have just a couple more things to get to. Uh, Luis Soto, uh, or Luis, I'm not sure. It's not the one that we Skype with all the time. It's the other Luis, but I don't know if his name's Luis as well. Uh, he asked, given that the Cab- Academy has started their uh, more diverse sort of voting echelon, is it possible that we could see this affect the horror genre? For example, could we see more horror films uh, starring people of color? Additionally, in the last five years, what horror film in your eyes should have received an Academy Award nomination? For example, I believe It Follows should have received a nod this year for its score. Thank you for your time, you two compadres. My two compadres. Man, I I never really think about the Academy Awards because I don't watch them. I generally boycott the shit out of them. Um, I don't know, man. The way I see awards is that it doesn't prove anything. And I, I don't I don't even consider them to be a valid point of anything. Because first of all, we don't know who the fucking Academy is, who's doing this voting and stuff. If it was done by the people, that's a little different. Um Yeah, I got a lot of beasts with award shows, man, that aren't, you know, fan based and fan voted. Yeah. Right? I mean, who the fuck is the Academy? Like, who are these people? Like, if I don't even know where these nominations and, and who these people are and stuff, it doesn't it just seems very, very foreign to me. You know and who I, I think it should be voted by is the the filmmakers, like like a, like actresses and actors, and open it up to anybody who's like been in the film in the last. I think year I think it should all be fan based. See, I, I, mean, I find fan based things problematic because just in other areas of, uh, um, but actors and actors, I mean that's a little problematic too. There's there's really no perfect way of doing this but i think the best way of i mean look uh, well I isn't mean, that how we, the nfl does the pro bowl though the the players vote yeah i mean I, it's, it's same way like we had a fan vote for you know top 10 in the group i mean the it was just up to them you know, yeah who gets it. i mean there is people's choice awards you know like what mtv or whatever hosts or whatever i kind of like that idea better i mean it's it's the fans they're the people that are watching these films are the fans and they're the ones that have should have the voice on who gets in and stuff. And I mean, honestly, if there was a fan base voting for the Academy Awards, I think something like it follows score maybe would have got a nod. You I don't know, know if there's never... enough of us. I feel like, I don't know. Maybe. Maybe. That's the thing. Maybe. But I mean, at least there's more of a chance. Who yeah. the fuck is, who else, who's the Academy? Nobody knows. It's ridiculous. This privacy and this, it's like a fucking conspiracy, man. <laughs> I, I just don't know enough about it to really comment on it. I don't, I just don't like I just well, don't like any like mainstream award shows because I just feel like they're all have agendas. Yeah, exactly. Um, I mean, there's there's been many films and things over the years. I you know that should have gotten nods for you know best actors and actresses and things like that. Yeah, but. I would. I would. Th- I don't know what year this came out, but it might be in the last five years. Uh, the uh, Let the Right One In. Like I feel like that could have been nominated for a bunch of different things. Yeah, that's a that's a great example. Yeah. I mean, look at uh, um, what's her Angela Bettis's performance in May. I mean, I still haven't seen it. So, really, really amazing. I mean, there's there's lots of things that are just never going to get the nods at these mm. big award shows and stuff. And I mean, the horror genre. I mean, they don't even televise anything to do with. Is there even a category for that anymore? I don't know. Mm. Like, I don't even think so. But even if there was, they don't televise it. Like, people at home don't see it. Like, what was it with uh, the the music awards? They fucking <laughs> 
<laughs> they didn't even have like the hip hop category on TV. <laughs> it was like there was an uprising from that. Yeah. One year. You know, shit like that. I mean, this is kind of the same boat, right? Mm-hmm. I don't know. All right. So uh, hopefully that answered your question. Thanks for writing in. Uh, next up, we have uh, just an update here. The uh, director, the co-director of Tex Montana will survive. We mentioned two episodes ago. I uh, actually must have heard that show. And he said, thanks for talking about our Kickstarter, guys. It's definitely a scary model. Things have slowed down to where we are not going to hit the target goal. So we appreciate getting the wor- you getting the word out there anyway. Uh, he also says Jeremy Gardner is very approachable on Twitter and social media. I'll have him listen to the show in a few minutes. Christian Stella, co-director of Tex Montana, will survive. Uh, oh. Really cool. I don't know how he heard the show, if somebody tweeted yeah. it to him or, or – or he just was searching Google or something because, like, I didn't, like, share it with him or anything. So um, that's interesting, though. Yeah, that is, that's cool. That's, I would actually like to know also. Yeah, so if you guys, you know, if anybody out there still is considering, like, donating, definitely um, give them your funds, give man. Give them your money. <laughs> so <laughs> after that, just a final, final, final updates here. We have uh, the iTunes reviews. There are more. So we have eight total reviews now, but one of them is a double review. So like posted twice. So technically seven. Uh, you got by the time you guys hear this show, you'll have exactly one week to get three more, three more reviews to uh, be entered in the prize. And and you know what, guys? I decided every person that leaves a review will be entered in all future prizes that we do, whether it's for other things or not, because these are important and you guys took your time out of your day to do this annoying process. So any type of contest thing we do here, uh, I will at least offer up a additional, um, you know, prize or we'll put your name in, you know, Oh, I guess I could probably offer up uh, Dylan's DVD copy of gravy that he left in my house. I know (laughs) Dylan's probably listening to this. He's probably laughing right now, but, uh, he did tell me he didn't want it back. So maybe I'll just offer that up as a prize because there is fans of it out there. Just not in my house. (laughs) Okay. Yeah. So, uh, we have one from Rob at Georgia here. This is it. The long search is over. Anything horror related is here for your educate edification. I've been listening for, about a year and both my knowledge and collection have benefited greatly these guys are brutally honest in their opinions but very personable with relating to their listeners which i've personally appreciated it is what it is there is no other 22 shots of awesomeness uh thank you rob at georgia uh strangeland underscore bls these guys are awesome to listen to they really brought back my love for horror my love for movie collecting i found out about so many great movies because of them keep uh, uh, giving us awesome episodes and I'll keep listening. Uh, yes, uh, there's another one. Andy French here. Love this podcast. Best horror podcast around. Hosts are awesome with endless knowledge on anything horror related. Very lengthy cast each week that always flies by. I can't say enough good things about this cast. It is simply, it is just simply amazing. If you're into horror please do yourself a favor and check out the 22 shots podcast i promise you won't be disappointed good stuff and the the leaning is the last one here uh top shelf horror podcast 
these guys are wildly entertaining and, and at the same time prove to be knowledgeable cinephiles. I've been listening to their show through YouTube for about half a year. 22 Shots is a great place to find industry-related news, in-depth film reviews, commentary updates on home media for all collectors out there. It is particularly good for harboring any nostalgia for retro horror call and B films. Uh, wow, guys. Thanks for those reviews. They're really going to help us in the future with iTunes. We also have 11 ratings on there. Um, it's already popping up in the feed over the other old feed, which is exactly what we wanted. So, uh, yeah, those are well written too. Yeah, yeah. If you guys want to keep doing that, um, new I think a, I think a lot of those uh, reviews are bullshit. But uh, I'm just joking. <laughs> uh, yeah, really, well, we don't it, know anything. It, We're just in, fronting over here. <laughs> in case you haven't noticed, I love reading them because it's like. Now my ego can just grow. Yeah, you showed a little pep in your step more. there, Rico's off, buddy. <laughs> like, he's just, you know, <laughs> had a little bit of a boner, I think, too. Yep. <laughs> so uh, that is all the updates we have for this show. Thanks for the voicemails, comments, questions, concerns, reviews, ratings, all that stuff. Yeah. All righty. So that is going to conclude Mood Swings this week. And let's jump into what we watched this week, the WWW portion of the show. And it is very self-explanatory. We talk about some movies and we review them. (laughs) Um, That's true. That's what we do. So what did we watch this week? Well, I will start. I watched. Whoa, you're going to start? Yeah. Wow. Might as well, right? Yeah, I wanted to give you a break. It seemed like you were talking a lot there. You probably got a sore throat now. Yep, you know? <laughs> a little bit. I got a little cough. It's itchy. Yeah, me too, man, actually. I'm still fucking sick. It sucks. Um, but the film I was I had mentioned earlier in the show that I wanted to talk about was a film that came out in 2014. It just came out on home media in North America here in 2016, released by Scream Factory. And it is uh, a, title, a film called Zombie Fight Club. Now, I... I wanted to check this out because I hadn't really heard of anybody actually watching this movie recently. So I was like, okay, I got I got to check this out. It has a tagline of you only die twice, man. Like really zombie film. You only die twice. I don't know. I'm Is that almost clep- certain that has been used multiple times. I, in that's what I was like. I'm like, oh my God. I mean, it's a zombie film. You only die twice. Yeah. It's fucking obvious. Um, so basically this movie here is man okay this is one of the weirdest pieces of cinema i've watched in a while okay the storyline is very kind of non-existent here there's really no reason or explanation to why these people are turning into zombies so basically it's a bunch of people that are living in this kind of riddled crime uh area of the city and this it takes place for the first hour of the film inside this building which like i said is very crime riddled it's very run down and shitty and stuff um, I think the minor explanation that they give you to why these people turn into zombies is there's some type of like weird overcast uh, 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 in the city. There's some like dark clouds and stuff. But anyways, it basically starts turning people into zombies. I guess that's the explanation. That's what they give you. <laughs> it's really non-existent, very s- stupid and not it's I don't know. It's very odd how they did it. Um, and it follows just a bunch of characters that are, you know, obviously turning into zombies and stuff. There's this girl. Her, uh, her and her boyfriend are getting ready to go out or whatever. Uh, he ends up getting killed. So she ends up teaming up with this, this other guy. And the first hour of the film is essentially just them trying to escape the building. Somehow they're locked in there. 
they're locked inside this building. And honestly, I really enjoyed the setting of the first hour of this film because it's inside a, a building. I love anything. I've mentioned this before. I love films that take place in buildings or high risers and stuff. I like that setting. It's cool because it's like room to room and stuff. It's not really explained why they're locked inside this building, but this is what it is. So she teams up with this, this guy and they're trying to get out of this building and there's just a lot of crazy action. And I will say one cool thing about this film is that the action starts instantaneously. It's crazy. Like there's like, like I said, there's no story to this film. So the action starts right away. Zombies start happening. They start killing off these rapper guys and these drug dealers and stuff. And it's nonstop action. Of course, this one right here doesn't really know what it wants to be. This film has absolutely no direction whatsoever, whatsoever. I haven't seen a movie like this in a long time. It's like he was just shooting scenes going, yeah, I'll throw that in there. I'll throw this in there. It's very at times trying to be funny, almost slapsticky. Uh, there is just so much action and Kung Fu scenes in this and zombie action. It's ridiculous. Um, the effects in the film are nuts. They're, they go from practical effects to like really poor CGI. So it doesn't, they don't really know what they want to do in with the film there either. And I don't even understand why some of the scenes are CG because it seems like some of the CG scenes that they did were almost easier than some of the scenes they did with practical effects. I don't really understand the whole meaning of how, why they use the effects in this way, but yeah, there's just for the first hour of this film, like I said, it's these, this couple that's trying to get out nonstop action, so much ridiculousness that's going on. And to top it off, it's very strange too, because this movie is a uh, Chinese film or a Hong Kong film or some. Um, anyways, the native language is Cantonese. And uh, for some odd reason, the girl in the film and one of the other guys speaks English. So it keeps going back and forth from the native Cantonese language to English in certain scenes. So you're watching on the the native language and then it starts going into english it's fucking strange i've never seen anything like this before it's just really really strange how they did it um so that's the first hour of your film and then they finally break out of the film and it switches gears a hundred percent completely so now it kind of switches into the subplot where <laughs> where the the basically the walkers the zombies have taken over the earth and now there's a group of survivors that are living underground and now the leader of this underworld, which is kind of like a post-apocalyptic type setting. That's pretty much what it looks like. It looks like something straight out of Mad Max or an Italian ripoff. That's what they're living in. And now the leader of this was this guy who was in the first half of the film. And he was like this very kind of polite plush type uh, teacher who's now turned big head mogul of the apocalypse. He's the crime leader. He's the crime boss that runs this underworld. <laughs> makes absolutely no fucking sense whatsoever and now he's pitting zombies against people and they're betting on it and stuff which doesn't make any sense in itself because what are you what are you betting on you know they're betting money and shit like that it's like hey hey hey, hey 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 gamblers will bet on anything okay but i mean this is like post-apocalyptic <laughs> they're only in the underworld there's only a few survive it's kind of it's so ridiculous but they did that but, in land of the dead yeah, I, I guess so. But what I'm saying is this movie just really lacks in direction and completely in, in full. Like there's like I said, there's no story. The first hour of the film is a completely different movie. The second half, literally in between them escaping and going into the underworld, there's an explanation. It says, OK, now the world has been taken over by zombies. This is a year later. And now it shows the, the surviving characters in this underworld and it completely shifts gears and it's a different movie. No direction whatsoever in this movie. Um, it's really fucking bizarre. It's almost like the director was 
trying to make the the first hour of the film as a feature length and it he just couldn't do it or something it would have been fine if they had just extended the first it's literally an hour before it switches gears if they had just extended it like another 10 15 minutes and made that the full length kind of short film that would have been fine but to switch gears doesn't really make sense but that's where you get your name and your film from zombie fight club because the first hour of the film has nothing to do with zombie fight club whatsoever it's really really fucking strange and so it gets into this and Honestly, the last half an hour of the film is really not – it's terrible. You know, this whole underworld zombie fight club action. And it's even got like – man, it's even got like straight up shout outs or nods to like Italian like women in prison scenes. There's, there's, a, there's a scene where some of the females are in the shower and they're all naked and stuff. And it's just kind of thrown in there just for the sake of being thrown in there. Like I said, lack of direction. There's a lot of crazy shit that's happening in this last half an hour that doesn't make any fucking sense. <laughs> so it's almost like – they threw the, the last half an hour of this film is like a short film in its own that they just kind of tagged onto the first hour of this other film. And, oh, man, this is a wild, wild ride. I will say the zombies look pretty cool in the film. I will say they look kind of cool. Uh, no explanation to why they are, unfortunately. But, uh, yeah, this one is kind of an abomination in filmmaking because there's no direction. That's the biggest problem with this movie. It's just, I just wish they had extended the first hour, made another 10, 15 minutes, and that would have been your film. Maybe change the name to high rise zombie whatever who knows just have something more relative to what most of the story was this is a fucking weird one man i just i couldn't get over the the cantonese to english and the the practical to you know cg effects and stuff Whew, man this was a wild ride i will say highly entertained throughout the thing because i was wanting to see what the hell was going to happen next like there is fucking a scene when they go to break out of this out of the building for some weird, weird reason they break out, but they end up driving through the building. <laughs> like it's shit like that. That doesn't make any fucking sense. What they almost like broke back into the building <laughs> to get out. It's fucking ridiculous. One of the most ridiculous films I've watched in such a long time. If you like these stupid kind of over the top, doesn't know what it wants to be. Slapstick comedy. No, it's, it's not as ridiculous as some of the, you know, as for the comedy elements as some of like, you know, Tokyo Gore police and things like that. This one just doesn't have any direction. And I'm going to give this one about a three and a half out of 10. It's a pretty shit film. It's highly entertaining because there is nonstop action. That's one thing I will give it credit for. First three minutes of the movie, there's zombie action. It never lets up the entire movie. Never. There's so many on-screen deaths in this. It's fucking insane. But yeah, not a great film. Three and a half out of ten. All right. So now that uh, you told me the whole movie, I doubt I'm going to have to watch it. <laughs> well, the thing is I kind of wanted to get into it because it's like – like I said, it's two different movies. Mm-hmm. But you yeah, know, I'm I, saying like that was a thorough review in which it ended in a bad <laughs> rating. I probably will never need to see this movie now. <laughs> I just wanted to discuss the whole thing because I – if I just gave the first hour of the film, you'd be like, where the fuck does zombie fight club come from? <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. So question, uh, how are we doing one, two? What are we doing? Just so I know, cause I have to review one specific film for, for, uh, press. Uh, I, I think I guess we'll just do two, just do okay. two. All right. So, uh, the first one that I watched, I'll be brief on this one. It's from 2002. Of course we are in preparation for our 2002 show. And in case you haven't noticed, this one will not make my top 10. That's why I'm reviewing it here and not there. Uh, this one is They or Wes Craven's Presents They from 2002. I all that's a that somebody asked a long time ago what our pet peeves are for horror, and it, to me, it's putting a director or a filmmaker's name in the title of the movie. I hate it. 
um, John Carpenter's vampire. Like, just don't do that. Just call it vampires. Oh, fuck. Speaking of that, man, you know what I watch it? Just speaking in 2002, I watched John Carpenter presents vampires Los Monotos or whatever it is. <laughs> like, the, you know, the Marcos. sequel? Yeah, yeah, I watched that the other night, man. The one that's starring John Bon Jovi from <laughs> 2002. That's funny. <laughs> it no, it, it's actually not funny. Is it decent? It's not the worst thing I've ever seen. It's no, but it's not great. Okay, so this film opens up with a young kid who is very scared of the dark, obviously. He is trying to tell his mother, like, you know, they they come for me at night or whatever, and then he's attacked. Uh, we flash forward uh, many years later where uh, this person is now an adult where we're introduced to a female and she is kind of uh, doing her thing. Um, there's a little bit of character development early on. You kind of get a sense for her. she's very like typical like weed charactery. Uh, and she gets a call from that young boy who is now an adult, and he's like super stressed out, and he's rambling on about all kind of nonsense, and uh, he's saying that they uh, marked him when he was a kid, and now they are back, and they are gonna kill him, and they, you know, this and that. Um, and then he, uh, in a scene that is very, very similar to that of the Nightmare on Elm Street 2002 or 2010 remake. So I really think that that film like stole this scene directly where uh, they're in the diner. I mean, dude, I don't know if you have seen this movie recently, but that scene is like exactly like the Elm Street remake scene. So uh, the Elm Street remake scene is exactly like they then because it came out after. Uh, but that's beside the point. <laughs> uh, I actually have it sitting just over here. I haven't watched it recently, though. Uh, so anyway, uh, we fought, he kind of kills himself. So basically, that that's kind of your setup of the film. She uh, meets all of his friends who um, have similar experiences to her. They're all seeing these visions, and they all have this traumatic childhood thing that happened to them that they can't remember. Uh, Julia sort of kind of uh, represses it. She speaks to like a psychiatrist and and basically there there's something after these people. And then it gets it, – it's that's a strong start honestly. Like I thought this opening to this film was pretty strong. Some creepy moments, stuff like that. Seemed like I was going to like it. And then it's just so typical after that. It's very by the numbers like Hollywood uh, 2002 era horror film like like super basic super simple uh the payoff is not good the the what they is is not good um it just felt very generic by the end of it uh some decent character development early on and some decent uh opening setup scares and stuff like that but then it just it, it just goes into that average territory and it never leaves uh especially all the way into the end, uh, the very end, the reveals, all that stuff, just, just super average. I'm only going to give this one a 5 out of 10. Uh, Quality-wise, in terms of filmmaking, you know, the the technical aspect, you know, your camera work, your lighting, your your uh, character development, stuff like that, decent. Story-wise, not good. Um, so uh, that's kind of evens out the 5 out of 10 rating on that one. Um, didn't really love it at all. <laughs> wow, I was surprised even to hear a 5 out of 10 on that one. Yeah, have you seen it? I have. I have. Okay. I really don't remember too much. I rented it back in the day, and I haven't even watched the copy that I've bought it, it, since. It has its moments, dude. It does, like early on, like I thought it was pretty decent. Like I was digging it, and then just yeah, it was bringing back a little bit of memories and stuff. But mm-hmm. yeah, I don't know. Un uninspired characters and stuff. So <laughs> uninspired characters. Yeah. Um. Yeah. So get into my uh, Italian stallion of the week. Um. 
is a film from what year is this? Nineteen yeah, nineteen seventy two, recently released by Arrow Video. So you know it's going to be an awesome release, directed by Massimano Dalamano. Uh, he used to be a well, he was a cinematographer on like some really cool films. Actually, I think Fist Full of Dollars, Fist uh, things like that. Like he did some spaghetti westerns, like some classic stuff, and uh, turned director. Um. And uh, yeah, it's from 1972, and it is called "What Have You Done to Solange?" Uh, this is one that I'd never seen before. I've known about it for a long time. Always wanted to check it out. He also directed a film called The Night Child, uh, which I've never seen. I just recently got in, and uh, I know um, I think Code Red had released the Blu-ray, but I grabbed the Arrow DVD of it. So um, he also did the 70s version of Dorian Gray, which I've never seen also too. So this guy's got some pretty notable stuff on his, on his, uh, short filmography. He was mostly known as a cin- cin- cinematographer. Like I said, uh, this is actually a really hard one to talk about, um, because it is a giallo of course. And basically what it is, um, it follows your main character who's played by, uh, uh, Fabio Testi, the great Fabio Testi. Um, he is a school teacher at this, uh, at this call or university or whatever. Um, and, uh, you know, he's kind of in a way a scumbag. He's cheating on his wife. He's out in this boat in the beginning of the film. He's out in this boat with this student and, you know, he's getting it on with her and things like that. And she basically sees a murder happen. And of course he's got his back to the scene and stuff and he doesn't really believe her. He's like, I don't think he saw anything, blah, blah, blah. Uh, so that, that ends. And then of course, some other murders start happening And he starts to think that maybe these murders, like he's might be connected to these murders and stuff because they keep happening around him and he can't explain it. And the, and the murders are specifically done to girls at this school. And now he's kind of getting freaked out and stuff. So he starts to kind of investigate himself. And of course he also becomes a suspect himself and he's, you know, does a little more investigating to try and clear his name while these murders start happening. And yeah, that's pretty much what I can tell you about the story. Um, like I said, it's Giallo, so you can expect some twists and turns in this one and stuff. Uh, this is a really enjoyable film, actually, because it's a little different. It's very kind of straightforward done. It's, you know, it's it has all those elements of a Giallo, you know, the the black glove, glove killer. Great score by in, uh, Inoni um, Maraconi. Uh, the score in this film is fucking beautiful. It's just really, really well done and very well placed in the film. But um yeah, this one had me guessing throughout the whole thing. I had no idea where it was going to go. And, you know, like I said, it's very kind of straightforward in the story itself until it starts kind of uh, developing with um, Fabio Tessi's character. Because, like I said, he starts doing some investigating and he starts figuring out things. And where it goes is really, really fucking dark. Like the way these kills happen in the film are some of the most like I, cringeworthy deaths I've seen in a long time. It's it's not even done sleazy. Uh, unlike some other films I'll talk about, and I don't want to specifically give away the film that this is kind of uh, comparable to in the way these girls die, because then I'll just kind of give it away. Um, but it could be considered sleazy, but it's it's just vicious. It's very, very subtly vicious uh, the way it goes down and stuff. But I really enjoyed this one, man. It runs, you know, about 110 minutes, you know, kind of like a typical Giallo film with some really good twists and turns, some good acting. Um and uh, yeah, the kills were not a lot in this film. This one does have a pretty low body count, but I think they're they're satisfactory enough to keep you intrigued in this one. It's um, it's a very very well executed giallo, and I can see why this one is very you know highly been sought out over the years and stuff because it's it's a good film. It's a really interesting film. Um, yeah, it's just unfortunately I just can't say too much about it because it's a fucking giallo. It's a murder mystery, man. 
you know, it's just unfortunate, but awesome film, man. If I had to rate this one, I'm going to give it a nine out of 10. Definitely one of the better giallos I've seen in a while. And I'm really glad that Arrow put this out because it's got some awesome uh, features and stuff on it. And uh, definitely give this one a shot. If you like your giallos, you know, you can't go wrong with what, what have you done to Solange? Um, Very, very cool. Uh, The girl that plays Solange in the film is played by um uh what the hell's her name um <laughs> camille keaton camille keaton i was totally brain farting on that yeah i think i think it's camille keaton's one of her very first appearances in a film so you know she's very young in this and uh yeah so check it out nine out of ten awesome film yeah all right pretty cool there uh arrow is you know fuck dude arrow's so good you know i always forget about like how hard it is to talk about giallos because yeah, you like every everyone. You're like, oh yeah, I can't get into this one. <laughs> like even the story, it's just because the way it develops and stuff. Like you can't say anything. You don't want to give any type of even minor spoilers away, right? But lo and behold, yeah. just check it out. It's really good. It's a good fucking movie. I was just astounded at what the outcome of this film was and why the murders were happening. It's really cool. Really cool. All right. So uh, the film that I'm gonna get into, I, you know. I was hesitant to call this one a pick of the week, so I'm, I'm not going to, even though it, it could probably fit in there. This is just going to be a review. I don't have a segment this week, guys. It is uh, Hannah Dama, The Origin from 2014. This is uh, coming to us courtesy of Olive Films. They just put out the Blu-ray a few weeks back. And I finally got around to checking this one out. I, I mostly avoided it and put it off to the last minute because of the runtime. It was like an hour and 40 minutes or something, 45 minutes, 47 minutes, something like that. Um, so it was just kind of, you know, and it's Japanese and, you know, stuff. So uh, this one follows a <laughs> uh, transfer student named Mizuki. Uh, she is bullied mercilessly by her classmates. Nevertheless, she is always able to maintain her composure. Kiri, who is also bullied, becomes interested in Mizuki and longs for her. The two become close. Um, they're also introduced to a guy who is sort of the third in the uh, group. Uh, this one, honestly, uh, it starts off like your teen drama. Uh, it, it opens with a naked girl like sitting in a like alleyway or something like that, and it's kind of uh, freaky looking. Uh, and then it goes into uh, your sort of bully. Uh, it looks like it's setting up like a revenge film, like your Carrie or something like that. There's a girl named Mizuki who is, you know, relatively pretty, so it's kind of weird that she's, like, the one that's getting all bullied and stuff. They lock her in a broom closet, and she, like, pees, and they make her clean it up, and um, it kind of, it's just, like, there's a cultural difference, like, in the way people make fun of each other in, like, Japan. Like, they're like, ooh, it stinks, it stinks. They keep saying, like, it stinks, and I'm like... I wonder if that's the translation, though. I mean, maybe, but it's... Like they like the characters are obviously like saying that it stinks because they're like you know <laughs> pu with their nose and stuff. I but, guess right. But I mean, it, it probably is partially tra- the way that the way that we say that word is probably different from the way they kind just, of incorporate it. Does, um, it, anyway, come, off, that, does it come off like ridiculous and funny? A little bit, a, yeah. a little bit, um, and. You know, so she, this girl's getting bullied a lot, and she befriends this sort of weirdo girl who carries like this plush doll on her thing. And they're, they, all the, by the way, 
they're in like a schoolgirl. All these people are in like schoolgirl outfits, like Japanese schoolgirls, super low cut skirts, by the way. And uh, that's a thing that like the Japanese are kind of known for with their sort of uh, like schoolgirl things. Anyway, uh, it, it kind of escalates a little bit. We're, we spend some time with this character. We see that she like burns like the inside of her thighs and shit, and she even with with cigarettes. And you know, she obviously has problems. Um, she actually burns her vagina directly in one scene. You don't like see it, but it's definitely like oh, it's like an like it's uncomfortable to see. Um, you know, and and it kind of just it has this. You know, you're you're feeling like you've seen this before. Like, oh, this is gonna be a cool revenge flick. And you know, we spend a lot of time with the characters' development, stuff like that. But then we sort of get these inserted scenes of the girl's parents who are like doing these like fetishistic type of scenes where they're like they're into some like sex fetishes, and and it's like, where the hell did this come from? Like, why is this in here? You know. And then there's more scenes of just randomness th- thrown throughout, and then. It becomes like a rape film, like like a rape revenge type deal. But then it's like it you almost can't take it serious because what happens after the rape, and it you know it's a, and it comes out of nowhere and you're just like what the hell? And then like the whole third <laughs> act is just completely nutty. Like the girl grows a flower on top of her head and stuff. And I'm like, what? How the hell did it, can we get here? Like the, you know this is one of those films <laughs> where you're like you're like I seriously don't know how we got here but we're here and I'm like trying to think back how we got here and I can't think of a logical reason why all of a sudden there's a flower growing from their head you know a curse and stuff and it's just like this is a completely different movie by the end of it um I like the early dramatic stuff the rape was intense and and you know the teen stuff was there like it was good like they were doing good and I just really don't care for that over-the-top Japanese, like, ridiculousness towards the end. It kind of, like, just – it definitely lowered my points on this one. Uh, but it was, a, it was a decent film. I think that anybody who is really into these Japanese movies, these, these kind of interesting uh, revenge tales and a little maybe uh, out there, nutty, if you will, I, I think that you guys will like it. So I would recommend grabbing this one. Moods, I think you will like this one a good bit. Derek would definitely like it. Um, I liked it a good bit as well. I just didn't love it. I give this one a 6.5 out of 10. Yeah, I wish I got to watch that one. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it sounds it sounds interesting. Anyways. No, it's definitely interesting. It's shot well, like it's it's a little low budget. There's there's some surprising scenes that you're not really expecting in terms of nudity and stuff like that. I I I thought it was good. I thought it was good. Hmm. Interesting. Cool. Six and a half out of ten. Mm-hmm. Nice. I did nice. have it at about seven ish till like the end, like the, all this crazy stuff that was happening at the end. It just kind of took me out of it a little bit. Yeah. Okay, well, that is going to do it for the What We Watch portion of the show. And now moving into the featured review of the week. And since it is, you know, on the eve of Hall- or of Halloween. Of- Wrong holiday. Wrong month. Wow. Wrong year. <laughs> yeah, of, uh, of Valentine's Day. Um, we are going to take it back to 2001 with a film entitled Valentine. Appropriately, right? Yeah, so this is one of the few Valentine's Day horror films. We it's, did My Bloody Valentine last year. It was just me and you then, too. <laughs> you know what? Like we've, we've mentioned this before on the podcast, but this is a holiday that's really underutilized for slasher films and, and horror films. Mm-hmm. 
why is there and such you a think it would be because it's like teens and like yes it just it's know. about love and like valentine is just screaming. it's about sex it's too. about sex it's exactly it's like, it's like the perfect opportunity just to just to make endless amounts of slasher films based you know on halloween on halloween on valentine's day why do i keep saying halloween the fuck i don't know what's going on man i don't know i just don't know what's going on here uh, but yeah, Valentine from 2001. Um, I remember watching this movie when it first came out and hating it. I, I watched it when it first came out too. I hated this movie. I thought it was atrocious, atrocious. And I watched it a few years back and I ended up liking it. But do opinions go back and forth? I don't know. Let's find out. I guess we'll find out. So yeah, Valentine from uh, 2001. The whew, What are we, we going to do? The short or long one here? Uh, I mean, <laughs> no, we'll either just, one. We'll just do the short one because, yeah, I mean, okay, basically the short synopsis of this is five women that are stalked by an unknown assailant while preparing for Valentine's Day. Yeah. Yep. So there was there was a you know opening scene that showcases a kid walking through a sixth grade dance and he's asking all these different girls that were interest, in, introduced to uh, if they want to dance and they all turn him down, uh, the chubby one says yes. And then, you know, th- he start they start making fun of, uh, these like boys who actually one of them is, uh, uh, from shameless. He is like his first role. I thought that was pretty cool. Yeah. Uh, but they start making fun of this, uh, weirdo kid and, uh, the girl and the girl's like, no, no, I didn't want to make out with him. He like pretty much like raped me almost. And <laughs> of course they like get all pissed and stuff and basically she basically throws him under the bus Uh, and then we flash forward years later and during this scene though we're kind of uh you know cutting back and forth to a yearbook which is is good technique like i like stuff like that yeah 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 then throwing underneath the bus what a bitch yeah you're the fat chick why are you throwing him underneath the bus (laughs) and they essentially just beat him down i think the cool one cool thing about it is that uh the backstory takes place in 1988 it's always a notable year you know, yeah. like the year 1988. Great, great year in horror. So, yeah. So now yeah. all these girls are in their 20s. It jumps forward, what, 13 years? Uh, I think I think it says 13 years. It yeah, jumps forward. So. so now they're, yeah, like they're basically, yeah, in their early 20s. Yep. And basically they start, uh, we're introduced to one of them. Uh, their names are Kate, Paige, uh, Shelly, Lily, and uh, Dorothy. Uh, we're introduced to one of them early on. Of course, she is the first victim. And then we realize that uh, these girls are all being targeted for a specific reason because we start seeing Valentines and different um, sort of uh, the killer keeps clues. sending them. Yeah. You know, uh, you know, clues and, and different things. And then we have a police detective who's involved with uh, sort of trying to find out who murdered their friend. And meanwhile, you have all four of these, the remaining girls sort of uh, making their way through uh, Valentine's Day with their different love interests. Who the, who the four girls are currently all really close friends. The first victim is they hadn't seen in a while. And this is how the story develops. Um, you got your first victim who ends up getting killed. And the other four girls haven't seen her in a couple years. And, of course, they're at the funeral where the detective um, notices that these four girls and starts asking questions. And that's how the developing detective story comes from mm-hmm. in the film that's how he kind of puts two and two together um yeah we get more on the on the detective part of the story but you know what are your overall thoughts and so, so i mean the setup to the film to me you know when i first watched this movie i always the, i instantly just thought slaughter high it just it's so reminiscent of the movie slaughter high 
it's that very typical bully kind of revenge type story, you know? Yeah. It's, it's yeah, like, I mean, it's, it's like the same setup. It's like the exact same setup as Slaughter High, except for Slaughter High is better. <laughs> uh, yeah. Uh, well, Slaughter High has similar problems to this one when it comes to just like random ass plot holes. Yeah. Um, yeah. So, yeah, I mean, I agree that it's, it's pretty similar setup. Uh, I the first thing that I'll, I'll say is like I had seen this film before, but it's literally been since like 2002 since I've seen it. Yeah. And the the, on, the only things that I really remembered in my memory was like the maggot chocolates, like that yeah, really yeah. stuck out to me, which is a good scene by the way. Um, one of the things that I want to say right away is that th- this was that era where like the characters never felt real. Like they are just in a world where I would never experience the parties are way too ridiculous and unbelievable. The, you know, the, the dialogue and the things that they're doing and the houses they're living in. And like, it's just so far removed from real life. And the 2000 era was really big on doing this. Yeah. It really showcases them without a lot of development within their characters that they're doing very, very well. Yeah, like they, because, they're not like, hey, but that's what this film showcased executive or something. But that's what this film did, man. It took like four really good looking girls or, you know, even five Catherine Heigl being the other one that's in this film. Um, so it took a really good looking cast and they just glamorized the shit out of it. You know, that's what it was. The interesting thing about this movie is when you watch this movie, it is one of the only films from the early 2000s that doesn't look uber dated in style and like in music, like everything seems to kind of seem like it was just kind of made like a few years back to me. It still seems very kind of, I don't know. There was something about the style. Maybe they were just ahead of their time with the style Mm -hmm. and things like that, but like just the hairdos and the way the clothes were worn in the film and even the music and stuff like, you know, with the the house and like the, uh, you know, almost like that kind of dance and, you know, the soundtrack, you know, no, I, mean, I'm with of, you. I, I feel like of, that it a lot does of those bands great. are still rocking today, like Linkin Park and Disturbed and uh, Marilyn Manson was on the soundtrack. And they're like all these bands that are still relevant today. And it was weird how I was just kind of watching it going, fuck, man, you know, this doesn't look old school like, you know, 2001 flashes usually do. It's yeah. kind of strange how it's just what, what I'm saying. It's not that dated. <laughs> yep. I agree. Kind of cool, man. Kind of cool. So I give yeah. props for that, for managing to do that. <laughs> yeah, I'm not sure if that was intentional. <laughs> it's definitely not intentional, but wow, it's, it's really surprising to watch it all these years because this is something that you couldn't note when you watched it 10 years ago. Yeah, like this is going to be dated. <laughs> yeah, you're like, fuck, man, this is crazy. But really, it's not. It, it's kind of interesting. So, Yeah, I'm, I agree. Uh, so I think that the uh, – the storyline is very simple and similar to like what you would expect. I did call what was going to happen like very early on. Honestly, the just... story, the way that the way they developed the story with, you know, who the before they reveal who the killer is, there is plot holes there, like obvious ones mm-hmm. um, with like because when, once the killer is revealed in this film, you're like and then you kind of think back to certain scenes and things. It doesn't make sense. There's yeah. certain scenes that don't make sense. There's no way that this could have happened. But, I mean, this is pretty prevalent in these type of slasher films and things. But I think this one, it really just does go, really? <laughs> what? Yeah, I kind of like that they, like, I, I kind of liked, like, what they did in terms of just, like, the idea of it. But the execution, 
No, like I, I, I it just was way too predictable. Yeah. But like the red herring, I thought they did well. Like the the way they did all the like red herrings and stuff, I thought was really well done. Yeah, there was decent ones. There was decent ones. I guess. <laughs> I don't know. I don't know. I, I uh, think they were good, but better than average. Yeah. Fuck, man. I, I have to say though, there is there's oh my god, the one scene in this film where I can't remember who it is, uh, what fucking character it is. But anyway, she's on the date with uh, with Jason. You know, part I'm talking about where they're out for dinner and he's talking in third person. Yeah. Oh my god, why is that? I, I understand why the scene is there. But I just wanted to punch that guy in the fucking face as hard as I could. And he's like, Jason, no, Jason this, Jason that. I'm just like, who the fuck talks in third person? Ugh. So, it's so irritating. <laughs> that man. doesn't bug me I, at all. <laughs> I, really? When people no. talk in third person? What? Why would it bug me? If I was being like, well, Moods thinks this movie is like really retarded. That doesn't bug you? No. Oh. Why? Why would it bug me? <laughs> Anybody that talks in third person needs to die. It's so <laughs> fucking stupid it's so arrogant it just shows your character out on your sleeve that you're just so beyond arrogant to show to to talk like that nobody no real people don't fucking talk like that man it's ignorant it's ignorant it's arrogant it's stupid it's i mean not like not real not in like being serious nobody does like (laughs) but that part he's being serious he's like trying to get the chick and he's just like yeah well jason says this and jason's i was like Fuck, shut up, man. That's so stupid. Yeah. I, one thing, man, I, I do think that the kills in this film are pretty fun. Um, I actually don't really agree. I think the kills in this film are a little a little weak, actually. They're kind of creative at times. And what I mean by, you know, they're, they're not the worst. They're not the worst, but... They're what, good. What, what are you talking about? I don't think so, man. The kill scene in the hot tub... I find to be so aggravating and I, I, this has been noted by me a couple times. I don't really get why that scene develops like that because I mean, I don't really want to give the whole kill away, but like, I mean, to go through the trouble of puncturing holes and then just saying, okay, fuck, this isn't going to work. And then just do what he did. You know, it's like, why, why would you, it just, it doesn't seem like that would ever go down like that. It's just, I mean, of course you got to disconnect yourself, but why that just seems like way too much work just to do what happened. You know what I'm saying? Like, um, in slaughter high, when the chick decides to take a shower after she just seen somebody die. Yeah. But I'm not, I'm not trying to compare it to other ridiculous scenes. I'm just saying this one's a little, it's extended and ridiculous too. It's like, okay, you throw, you get thrown into a hot tub and then, you know, the lid closes and then you're going to do this and then, oh, fuck this. I'm just going to do that. I don't know. There's something about that scene that just. Yeah, that crazy. one's definitely not my favorite one out of the movie for sure. Yeah. Um, but like I, I like the I don't know, like maybe just the concept of like the hot tub uh, being closed and stuff. But like I'm talking about like the uh, bow and arrow one. That was fucking brutal and vicious. Which, which makes it. sense that they have that in there. It's a Valentine film, of course, Cupid, bow and arrow. That makes a lot of sense to have that kill in there. I don't really think it's I mean. Yeah, I mean, he not only just puts it was one badass, in dude. He not the, only the puts fall into the trash can. Come on, that's yeah, not bad. I don't think that it's was really cool that shit. It's okay. It's okay. You know, this movie surprisingly doesn't even have that big of a body count in it. I think there's only nine total kills total. Uh, I think I just said a total twice there, and I think a couple of them are actually off off screen. So there's only about seven on screen kills. Yeah, it's a pretty low body count actually. So, so what about like? Yeah, I mean. 
I, I, I love the the bow and arrow one was my favorite, but the iron one. I mean, that was that was pretty cool. Like that, it's a kind of off screen, but like you get the idea of what's happening. Yeah, I mean, uh, and, you do get to see the face getting burnt. Yeah, a little bit, which is you know, iron. Yeah, that's kind of nasty. That's kind of nasty. And then I like the opening one at the morgue where he's just walking down and he's just boom stabbing that, each body like that's, that's on, cool to me dude like i like scenes like that in honestly I that's think, what i like honestly i think the opening that the first kill the the whole developing scene i think that's actually the best work in the entire film was that yeah. scene well that's classic slasher moments right there because like, it has good atmosphere that's like something you might well see too. in the final chase you know yeah it, it's actually shot really well too and you know it, it's got some really good atmosphere which the rest of the film doesn't actually have it doesn't really have that type of atmosphere and i feel like this film the way the third act happens, like the way it develops into the third act, I feel like it just all of a sudden happens. Don't you think that there's not really a lot of buildup until what's really going down in the end? I feel like it just goes from like one moment, like it's yeah. like at a party and the next it's like, where the fuck is everybody? <laughs> but it doesn't feel like, you know, if you didn't know how much time was left in the film, you'd be like, this is the third act. Yeah. It's kind of, it's just kind of a weird it like, developed way on, that it right? plays it, out. Yeah, I agree. It, it, yeah. But um, I actually really like the scene like at that uh, art show and stuff where there's all those pictures on the wall. And it just feel it has that weird like early 2000s vibe. I think that's the, one of the only parts in the film that kind of captures that. Mm-hmm. It's just like the, everybody yeah. was just doing all these like weird things with this art. And I don't know. It was like the music. And it just seemed like next the- level. It seemed like next level technology. Like this is like, yeah. oh, paintings that are just on the wall in a white room gallery. That's that's old. This is the new way, you know? <laughs> yeah, I think a lot of the scenes in the film are very relative to the characters themselves. Even though the characters in the film. Yeah, even though the characters are technically undeveloped. Like you don't really know a lot of personal things about them. You know, you know the generic things about them, like um, you just assume they're high maintenance, high class, which I, I'm pretty yeah. sure is kind of intentional. Because, you know the stereotypes of these characters, like yeah. Denise Richards is the slut. You know, she's the beautiful slutty girl, and, and things like that. Like you know those things about. So, but mm-hmm. you know these plosh parties and these big art parties, like the, these scenes make sense in the film. They really yeah. do. They didn't just have them set in different parts and like you know blah yeah. blah. blah. You yeah, know, it, yeah, they make sense. They just feel completely disconnected with like the modern person you know it, what i mean like ex- your average person exactly because these things don't generally happen like this all the time yeah. it's you know again kind of have to disconnect yourself a little bit but you know and you know surprisingly this movie doesn't really have a lot of comedy in it there is co- there's comedic elements and in, in mm-hmm. comedic parts in this film but the film as a whole isn't really that funny and and you know it doesn't have a lot of slapsticky or you know ridiculous moments and things except for maybe the wax part which is kind of funny how how it plays out but you know like <laughs> yeah it, it's <laughs> that it's also kind of a movie where well go ahead what was you gonna say about that scene it's just like the way it plays out is so crazy and it just really showcases denise's richard's her character like how slutty she actually is you know like she meets this guy and he comes to the party and like 10 minutes five minutes later they're up in the bedroom and stuff and he just drops his drawers and he's like and she's kind of looking at him like and he says to her he goes wax it <laughs> which i've like never that. heard anybody. i know but it's a total setup to the joke and what she does yeah. to him and you know that's all it's there for it's just like this I thought that random was like moment sort of an anti-slutty moment though like well, where it's like i'm no, not just gonna sleep with you just no, no, no. But, but the thing is she actually went upstairs with the intention of possibly sleeping with him she didn't know that was gonna happen right she kind of turns the table and she was turned off by it so but you know what i mean but like they just 
completely use that line to set up that joke in the film and have this like random comedy relief. You yeah, know? it didn't feel out of place though. Like I, I feel like that's the level of comedy that you're supposed to have in yeah. your films. Yeah. Like where it's yeah. like not this it's not it, – it's almost like – it's it I don't know. It did feel very natural though. You know, I mean the scene makes sense, you know, towards towards your character. I just dropped a battery. <laughs> and, um, you know, the, the whole scene makes sense. But like just the usage of like wax it and like what you don't <laughs> – Hey, how do you know in 2001 guys weren't like, hey, I got wax last night, dog? Trust me, I, I, was, <laughs> I was 21 years old in 2001 and I didn't use the term wax it ever. Yeah, but you're Canadian also. Oh, Different what the fuck does that have to do with it? You guys say phone. Phone home, ET phone home. There, yeah, and that's not an American film. Yeah, but it's a fucking alien. So they still wrote in. <laughs> anyway, um, this one doesn't really have your like typical like final girl type. I don't know, like the the characters aren't really. Yeah, they're not there's, typically there's developed into like the one you're like how you're supposed to connect with them and be like rooting for anybody. I like they don't do that in this. Purposely one. trying to get away. Like it almost seemed like they were purposely straying away from that strong kind of final girl approach and stuff. And like honestly, are you really surprised on how the film went down? Like, are you surprised who was left and like and like how it went down? You know, uh, like like to me. It is a little it's it's a little shocking to be honest. The first mm-hmm. time I watched this movie, I was expecting one of the the I'm not going to say who to be the final girl, um, but it never happens that way, and it is a little bit surprising, you know. Mm-hmm. And it, it but it's just it almost feels like there's a lack of direction in the, in the end of the film, like they didn't really know where to go with it or who they wanted to cho- to chose to choose to to really kind of prevail in this in the end of the film. In my in my opinion. Yeah, um, one of the things that I had an issue with was uh, that there's a scene where one of the characters was like, you know, she's the smart one and you're the popular one and she's the sexy one and and she's the cool one or something. And I felt like they almost had to do that because they did a poor job of like really showcasing what each one had unique about them. And to me, it also made it become – very hard to determine who was who and like oh is she which one's she like like to kind of separate each of the characters oh from to relate each other. the to, re- and, to and the, not to only the older them. versions of the younger versions yeah well that but also just to separate them as characters like i i can't i, I was having a hard time remembering which one uh was which and oh, which one's names. boyfriend yeah, yeah. was their boyfriend and not the other person like like they did a bad job with their boyfriends too like they all seem the same to me i don't know i couldn't i all the girls seemed the same all their boyfriends seemed obviously different but i couldn't remember which one was which which which, which girl so mm-hmm. i think they did a bad job with that yeah i i 100 agree with that 100 agree with that but you know they did good at did a good job at the casting because like, a, you know, I think I said before, very, very beautiful cast. <laughs> like, I mean, sexy girls, man. Yeah, a little bit. What do you mean a little bit? Um, I don't know. They have that like supermodel look that I don't really like. They're not really that unique. Uh, they're, obviously, Mar- they're beautiful, but. Uh, Marley Shelton, man, is so fucking hot, man. Who, which one's that? Uh, her character name was, uh, what the fuck? Uh, Kate. It was Kate. Kate. Yeah. She's, you know, she goes on and playing uh, Planet Terror and things like that. Yeah. I think she might have been the. She's actually, she's actually by far the oldest one in this film. Like, she was in her late 20s in this film. Mm -hmm. Like, she doesn't look her age. She looks really, really young for how old she actually was. But I've always liked her, man. She's pretty cute and stuff. But I don't know. But 
Yeah, besides yeah. that, though, man, I mean, the, the, it's it's a very basic movie. It's, you know, a 2001 slasher film, and it, it plays out exactly like a 2001 slasher film. There is a cover to this movie that has this sort of face that has, like, it's like a notebook page, like, on the mask. Yeah. I think that would have been a cooler mask. Like, the better than the actual mask that they use. Well, they just use the typical, you know, Cupid mask. I mean, it makes yeah, but- sense. No, it makes sense, but you see, have you seen the cover that's on the IMDb page? Uh, yeah. Okay, well, that I think if like the, somebody like paper mache like uh, like a regular mask and like had like love notes like you know paper mache whatever to his face, I think that would have been pretty cool. Actually, it's actually kind of interesting that they use that on the DVD cover, like in the background. Uh huh. No, but they never. That's not actually the mask. Yeah, at all. That is interesting. I never really thought of that, but yeah, good point. At first, I thought you were a fucking retard for even mentioning that, but now when I think about it, not bad. It's like the mask on like the cover of the DVD, the cover on IMDb, the the DVD menu. <laughs> but again, and they you know, use the, like some other mask that you never see anywhere. That, that poster art's a lot better than the actual snapper case. I mean, it's that very typical early two thousand slasher film. Oh yeah, you know, cover with you know the whole cast on the damn cover. <laughs> yeah, with all their names up top and the tagline below, and they're all they're all like they're always in like a V pattern too. Like it's ridiculous. I think I think they're the floating cover, heads. I think the cover art to this movie is completely ridiculous, and they never should have done this. If yeah. you know what, if you know what I mean, this is fucking stupid that they did that. Um, <laughs> but. Uh, yeah, I don't know, man. Overall, it's not a bad film. I think the actual score in the film is beyond generic. If you, if you like, did I you actually listen really, to the score? The soundtrack no. is pretty good. Like, no, the soundtrack's good. I like the soundtrack. It fits that. The era. score that they use in this is—it's almost like they just took a generic score from the studio sound vaults of Warner. Hmm. Right, I've I've heard this music in films before. I think it's just a generic type. Soundtrack. Maybe it's like a public domain Valentine's Day theme or something. Something, but like even the music that plays like in the Morgan stuff, like in that scene, um, I've heard that it's identical to other things I've seen or heard before. And I was like, oh man, this is so crazy! Like this music has been used. This is that's annoying to me because hmm. I always notice things like that, and I'm just like, ah, I mean, it's not like terrible, terrible music. It's just generic. Just very generic, and you know, you know, for I'm assuming bigger budget film, considering the cast that was in here, you think they would have kind of tried to put some more originality into it, but I don't know. Yeah, uh, one of the little bit of trivia's is uh, Terry Tara Reed was supposed to play Jamie. Really, Tara Reed, (laughs) or uh, not Jamie? That she played Jamie in Urban Legend, but she was uh, looked at to play uh, Dorothy, I think, in this one. And the um, the fat chick. Yeah, Jen- Jennifer Love Hewitt was also attached to this at one point. And she was probably going to play Paige, right? Yep. Uh, Denise Richards? Yeah, that figures. Yep. I could see that casting right there. <laughs> um, awesome. Also, awesome. at the cost of $10 million, this is the cheapest film to ever have a Super Bowl spot. This was on – this. the trailer to this was on the goddamn Super Bowl of, you know, 2001 or 2002. Oh, that is an interesting <laughs> note. That's pretty- yeah, that's pretty cool. Huh. Interesting. Well, you know, it is a it is a slasher film. Not really a whole lot more we can really say about it. I mean, I don't yeah. know. I don't know. I mean, final thoughts. Um, my final thoughts on this one are it, it's just sort of a middle of the pack mid two thousand slasher. Yeah. 
Yeah. Uh, it's not something that I love or hate. I actually had fun watching it. I had fun just kind of, you know, looking at what the characters were doing and, you know, what the, uh, what, how it was going to play out, even though I had a feeling how it was going to play out. Um, and it's definitely an entertaining movie in terms of like, you're not going to get bored watching it. Like I didn't find myself bored at all. It's no. just not that great of yeah. a story or, yeah. uh, you know, anything really. It's just because it's super undeveloped, man. And oh yeah, one thing I didn't really touch on was they really, one thing about this film that really annoyed me watching it again was the underdevelopment of the detective and the story with like him actually doing the detective work, you know, cause they, they focus on it for a little bit and then it's just non-existent in the story completely. Hmm. I didn't really try to think, right? Uh, he was there, wasn't he? Like he was doing stuff pretty much after the scene where, um, you know, the scene happens with Paige at the police station and stuff like he's kind of going Which through was the stupidly weird. By the yeah, way. It, it's such a, it's such an annoyingly odd, weird scene. But, you know, they're kind of leaning towards that. They're going to develop this, you know, with the detective and he's going to be a bigger part of the story. But he's <clears> never really there. And then all of a sudden he shows up and he's just not alive. <laughs> oh, actually, what did you think about the the very, very ending? Like the final shot. Um, I actually like the end of the, the very last shot in this film. Yeah, me too. me too. I do. I do. I just, I really think that they fucked up with the de- the detective story. I don't really understand because they, they are leaning towards it. They want to make this kind of a, a police investigative type slasher film, almost in the vein of a giallo, you know, but they don't really, they don't have a lot of it. It was a. It was very problematic for me, and which is really odd too, because I had just finished watching what had they done to Slodge, which is like a big. It's a giallo. It's a police investigation, you know, things like that. And it's very developed. There's a lot of development and stuff, and I'm like, what the? Where the fuck happened? And then you don't. You kind of forget about the detective in the film until he shows up with no fucking head. (laughs) (laughs) Right? Yeah. It's so crazy. I'm just like, oh yeah, there's the dirt bag that was hitting on Paige. (laughs) <laughs> yeah, I actually fell asleep watching this last night with like a half hour to go. And I was like, oh, shit. I, I was like, how to hurry up and watch it the rest of it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, but yeah, I mean, you want to get into ratings now? Yeah, yeah. I mean, sure. Uh, I'll go first. Um, yeah, you know, this one right here, like you said, I do find it entertaining. Um, I don't think it's overly a top shelf slasher film by any means. I think it does have its pros and cons. Um, I think the lack of development with characters and other characters in the film, you know, the detective story and things like that are just like, okay. It, but oddly enough, this movie does move at a decent pace and you're never bored. It, it, it's kind of strange. It's entertaining. It's also really nice to look at it. In my opinion, the girls are hot. It's very nice. Um, I think in my opinion, you, I think you like the kills a lot better than I did. I think the kills aren't the greatest in this movie. That's just my opinion. And yeah, it doesn't like gory, but I, I no. just like them. Yeah. And it, there's, it, there isn't a very big body count, which isn't really that dramatic to the outcome of my, my rating and stuff. Cause I've seen films with lesser body counts that are really good and stuff. It just depends on how you do them. But over, as a whole product, I think it kind of holds its ground. If you watch it today, it doesn't feel dated. You know, the music's cool the soundtrack and you know certain other elements are okay really like the last shot in the film i like those type of endings i think that's very cool i think it's gutsy um especially for the time you know because i I, i'm not sure if that was happening a whole lot um but uh, i do like that approach i like that what they did with that and you know with that said i don't think it's terrible i don't think it's that great but i'm going to give it a six out of ten all right, so yeah, me going into my rating, uh, I'm going to come in a little bit lower than that. 
uh, I think it's a it's it's a pretty average middle of the road uh, horror film from the early two thousands, but I did like it. I honestly liked it more than my rating would suggest, but I just don't think it's that good. I, but I, I would actually watch this again. Yeah, I mean, uh, especially for the Valentine's vibe. That well, this is not really there throughout, but I mean, it's 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 sort of there in, in spots. Um, it ain't like they're trading Valentine's Day cards and they made their own special box or anything, but you know, <laughs> uh, it's pretty cool. So uh, I'm gonna come in at a five point five out of ten on this one. Five and a half, yeah, that's pretty much where I figured you're gonna come in. So relatively the same, you know. Of course, I always have to come in a little bit higher. Except for the times where you don't, and I come in like higher than you on like Howling Seven. <laughs> I know it's so weird how that happens, right? <laughs> yeah, yeah. I don't know. An overall fun film, definitely one that we both, uh, you know, recommend. And I know a lot of people out there have seen this one, but and yeah. you could get it dirt cheap too. Yeah, this one is it was out of print and it was going for usually selling for fourteen, fifteen dollars, something like that. I think you can get it for way cheap now, which is weird how it out of print prices. Out of- that's right. I forgot about that. It was. Remember, it kept selling for anywhere from 15 to like 30 bucks, And then now all of a sudden the prices have dipped on it and it's still out of print. There's no re-release of this. So check it out. Should be time. Top shelf series. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I don't need. What, what did you pick yourself for? Like under eight bucks or something? This? It was yeah. like two bucks. Two bucks? Yeah. On Go Hastings. <laughs> Damn, dude. Wow. They've really dipped, man. That's crazy. <laughs> Interesting. <laughs> it's interesting how the market uh, does that. So. Yeah, yeah. But yeah, um, yeah. Six and a half, or six and a half, six and five and a half out of ten. That's pretty much exactly what I expected. You know. Yeah, so, I actually expected you to be lower than me. Really? But, no, I. You know, I do ultimately enjoy the film. I think it, it's very problematic, though. Uh, yeah, it's very problematic. But I so, think our ratings are pretty much like spot on in terms of just like the general audiences who would watch this. I feel like they would come in exactly where we are. Yeah. Oh, yeah. One thing I didn't mention. This movie was actually filmed in BC, where I live. Uh, I didn't know that. It was filmed in British Columbia. So that's kind of cool. Kind of cool, I guess. I don't know. <laughs> but anyways, guys, that is going to wrap up uh, the 73rd episode of the 22 shots of moods and horror podcast thank you once again for tuning in and listening to us blabble on for about three hours and once again i want to thank everybody for leaving comments and uh, of course on the itunes page and for your voicemails and questions we appreciate all of them and we try to get to all of them if we did miss anything we apologize in advance and we will try to do our best to get to them next time or just not miss them at all because like i said i love doing the questions and keep keep them coming man i you know rob every time you ask you know, make me think like that. That's just, I love doing this. You know, those segments are like some of my funnest things to do now, because if I can think about things, mm-hmm. that's it's, it's all worth the time. It's all, worth I think the time. Rob needs to make an appearance on this show one day. Yeah, man. Yeah. That would be very cool. You know, uh, a viewer, uh, request show with viewers <laughs> actually on the show. I don't know. That's kind of cool. But, um, yeah, anyways, guys, that is going to do it for the episode. I hope you guys enjoyed and uh, we will check you next week. JP, you want to take us out of here? Yeah, absolutely. We don't know what we're doing next week or if we're 100% having a show, but we'll, uh, I'm sure we'll um, surprise you guys with uh, whatever our next show is. And uh, yeah, you can check us out on a few places. Website, 22shotsofmoodsandhorror.com. Post all kind of fun stuff on there like Vault of Horror and our ratings as well as uh, the back catalog of the show. 
Horophilia.com. Thank you, Horophilia Jason, for uh, posting our show on the reg and also getting us up on iTunes. Uh, a lot of cool shows on Horophilia. Uh, I'm about to check out a new one that debuted called Theme Warriors. Uh, that one sounds pretty cool, so uh, you guys let me know if it's worth checking out. I'm sure it's uh, pretty good because uh, I think the people involved have a uh, pre-established podcast. Uh, then Facebook slash groups slash 22 shots podcast. That is where it is at homies. Listen, uh, you have to go over there. You just have to, it, it's, uh, the, the best group on the planet in horror. I think, uh, then we have Twitter 22 shots podcast been tweeting a lot lately. Hit us up there. 22 shots of moods and horror at gmail.com. Of course, subscribe to iTunes. Our voicemail line, 724-426-6665, 724-426-6665. As for me, I am JP, Double Shot J on YouTube. That is Moods, Moods 616 on YouTube. And until next time, uh, keep it horror. Yeah.